Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fans. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this emergency podcast edition of Real Hawk Talk. I am Ryan Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter, and we've got news to talk about. Jeff Simmons and I, at Real Jeff Simmons, had already planned to do a podcast today. And this, this is what happens, folks. If you are a Real Hawk Talk fan, you know this happens all the time. When we plan to do a podcast, the Seahawks break big news right beforehand, and they did it again today. Uh, Geno Smith signs a three-year, $105 million contract with what we are told by Ian Rappaport is $52 million in the first year of the deal, which is the calendar year. This is being confused on Twitter. We are going to break this down, what it actually likely means in just a second. We're going to talk about that first. We're going to talk about the implications. We are also going to do... First time ever. I've never seen anyone else do this. I'm sure someone's done it, but we're going to do it the first. We're going to do a live mock draft on the show. Evan may or may not stick around for this, but we are going to go through Jeff and I, and we are going to talk pick by pick what's going on. We are going to make trades potentially. We are going to take different scenarios because we are doing it anyway, and we are just obsessed. So we're going to do that after we do the emergency part of this pod. Let me bring the fellas in. I already mentioned Real Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. And then we also back from his, you know, 
I won't say where, because I know Evan likes to be private, but, but his uh, exotic vacation, uh, Evan Hill, at Evan Hill HB on Twitter. How are you doing, man? I am so happy to see you both. I did not expect to be breaking down some pretty fun news today. So yeah. this, is a, this is a good curveball ahead of the draft for Seattle. Yeah, start with where you were going with Jeff right before we went live. You, you were a little surprised by the news today. Why? Yeah, I, I really uh, I really thought they were going to have to apply the tag and uh, then work. So the way that, you know, the way contract extensions and talks work, you know, in combination with the tag is uh, they can, you know, a team can apply the franchise tag and then basically continue to work um, negotiations with a player uh, as a starting point. It sounds like they beat um, the franchise tag deadline, which is uh, coming up shortly here, I think in the next week or so. And it sounds like they'll be even um, uh, announcing this formally uh, within the next one to two days here based off of uh, Bob Condotta's report. So this is, uh, this is exciting. You know, a lot of teams have, uh, wanted to get clarity on their quarterback situation pre-free agency, which makes sense. But uh, for Seattle, this comes a little bit earlier than expected, at least from my perspective. So this is exciting. Yeah, Jeff, uh, I'm curious your thoughts. When Evan said that to me initially, I I had a different take. I, I don't know that the, 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 fran- the tag deadline had as much meaning for the Seahawks as maybe it did for Gino. I, I think the Seahawks likely were ready to not tag him and let him test the market. And uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are. I had the same read and it was funny. Um, Matthew Barry of NBC sports wrote an article of like 40 things he learned at the combine. And I was literally reading it and like number four on his list of 40 was like the Seahawks might not resign Gino Smith. Literally as I got to like the end of that section, <laughs> I saw a Pelicero tweet that he had signed. But anyway, the Derek Carr thing today crystallized that exact opinion to me. Um, one of the things that I had dug around in, and I know like people in our chat especially have been arguing, like, look at all these teams in the NFC South that need quarterbacks. Like, Gino's going to have a huge market. The one thing I kept reading is, like, I don't know if teams were going to pay Gino. I thought everyone just – you look at New Orleans, they signed Carr, Tampa Bay, I think. What I've been told, and I, I saw other people report this today, uh, Tampa Bay's looking at Drew Locke. And Baker Mayfield is their options. They're, they're kind of slow playing it. So I kind of thought they would really let this thing play out a little bit, let him hit free agency, and maybe even see if he can get something better elsewhere. I thought they were going to let him hit free agency. So I was not, I was surprised by the timing. But if you're Seattle, you really are got to be happy about this because now you know your situation going into free agency and you don't have to deal about this big thing lingering over and why you're trying to sign other players if you don't know your budget. This really helps. So I, I thought it was going to go to free agency. I don't, I didn't think Gino had the market that other people were assuming he did. Yeah, this is this has been a lively debate in Real Hawk Talk uh, chat over the last I don't know however many months, three six months, and I think I've been pretty consistent in the take that what I expected all along was that the Seahawks were that they had the franchise tag handy. They also had the transition tag handy, but like transition tag was around 29 million. The non-exclusive franchise was around 32 million. And that Gino, if he's smart, was going to look for something that guaranteed more money than one year on the franchise tag. Like that was, that was the logical thing. 
And the reason the Seahawks would do that is because no matter what people like, I don't know, Jeff, Evan, if you see this as well, but everyone's been like, you can't pay Geno Smith $30 million a year or $35 million a year. He's not that good. And then you read to the people like what the contracts are that are out there for quarterbacks for like Matt Ryan making $38 million, like, like crazy ridiculous amounts of money for very mediocre players. And Gino outplayed all those guys last year. So he absolutely, like, I think you could very well make the case that based on market, Gino, like if he was, if he had been doing this all along at age 32, he would be over $40 million a year. There's zero, zero question. And so for the Seahawks, it was this game of, can we play chicken with Gino to say, look, you, you played well, we want to pay you, but we're not going to pay you market value for someone who's playing at the level that you played this year. And so, but they also, I think the Seahawks don't want to get locked into Geno Smith. I think the biggest part of this contract, I don't know if this is for you guys, it could have been almost any numbers. If the number on the contract was more than three years, I was going to be pissed. That was the number to me that mattered the most. And it's three years, which in almost all cases means this is a two-year deal. Right? Do you guys do you guys agree with that? Yep, that was my exact. Uh, my fear was five years with three real deals. Three years. Evan, is that generally your expectation about when you see a three-year deal? Generally, you expect that there's a way that the team can get out of, out of it after two? Yeah, the, the expectation here should be that you know, his guaranteed money is probably going to run out about halfway through uh, the 2024 season. So this is a, you know, 105 total. If we're, if we're going off of like what the total guarantee amount is, actually, I'm not even, I'm not even going to guess because I'm, I'm nervous, but I think it's probably going to be in like the total guarantee, which is different than full guarantee, total guarantee amount, probably in the 50 to 60 million dollar range um for injury so i that that would end in year two say more about that what is what does that mean yeah so uh total guarantees versus full guarantees are a, a very like nuanced detail when it comes to nfl and sports contracts but basically a full guarantee means um a player is protected against any form of of uh being cut so for cause injury, uh, any medical and any other sort of reason. Basically, if a player has $25 million fully guaranteed, just as an example, that player, no matter what happens, he's earning that $25 million. A total guarantee, which the verbiage that is weird because you would think it's like reversed in terms of definition, but a total guarantee could be like in that same example, he has $25 million fully guaranteed and like 40 million total guaranteed, which would mean like he has an additional 15 in injury protection guarantees. So he gets that $25 million no matter what. And then, you know, say he's in year two of a contract and God forbid he breaks his leg or something like that. He would earn up to that $40 million, but a team could still cut him uh, for caught for skill purposes is what's used in the CBA language if he just sucks in year two. So he would have an injury protection in that total guarantee amount. But I think to answer your original question, Brian, I, it's fair to say without the full details yet being released, um, that third year is probably just going to be funny money. So not super real. Yeah. 
And then the Wait. other thing, yeah, Jeff, go ahead. Sorry, I just can't understand how we're still at this point where people are looking at these numbers that the agents send out to the reporters. Yeah. And we're still taking them at face value. I can't tell you how many texts I got. Like, I can't believe Geno Smith got $100 million. Like, are we still not there yet? Do we, like, I saw Mike Salk's been tweeting at this like it's a baseball contract. Like, are we still not at this point where we get this yet? Like, how many years do we have to go through this where we don't understand? Hey, that's why people tune, tune into this podcast. Oh, it's absurd. I mean, you know, I swear. Not I, three years, $100 million. Every, it's not just Salk. I saw every beat reporter. I saw almost everyone that covers the Seahawks, people that are periphery but still reporters, say, what do you think about the three years, $105 million contract that Smith signed? Is it just right or is it too much? Whatever. And I'm like, it's not the real contract. Like, that's not the real deal. The number that was most interesting to me outside of the three years, which we talked about, which we all agree is most likely a two-year deal. And I want to come back to that because that has implications on how you're going to do roster building, what you're going to do at the QB position other than Geno. But first, let's talk about the other number, which was this, this number that came out was $52 million in the first year of the deal is how it was originally shared out. And everyone was talking about that, 52 million in, in year one. I listened, like, I, I know to listen to the NFL reporters when they go on air because they say more details than what they put in the tweets. I listened to Ian Rappaport, and he said specifically that this is $52 million in the first calendar year, not in the first year of the deal. And so I tweeted that out, and then, you know, it's a little annoying. I wish some of the folks that were <laughs> that were beat reporters would actually credit where they get the information from. But in any event, all of a sudden you start seeing updates to stories. So uh, I want to talk about that. So Evan, I asked you this before we got on the show and we started talking about it in more detail. But uh, the way that I understand that is that most likely, like you're going to give me the real information, but I interpret that as the agent of Geno Smith gave the most glossy spin of the contract possible to reporters who then regurgitate it. And the thing that that agent feels the best about is this $52 million in the first calendar year and tried to say year one to make it sound really impressive that he's going to get 52 million in year one. And everyone's freaking out. Like what's that going to mean for our cap and all this other stuff. Once I heard it was calendar year, my assumption is one, that could be broken up in any sort of different way between year one and year two. So we don't know for sure how that's gonna be played out. Two, um, in some level, this might be like a two year, $52 million deal or somewhere around there with, with upside where if Gino hits incentives, maybe it ends up being, you know, a bigger deal. Maybe it ends up being a two-year $70 million contract. Who knows? So I, I I wanted to hear from you. You started talking about cash flow and what this 52 million means. What is like, without getting into all the detail right away, what is your initial guess? Like your best guess of like uh, when you hear 52 million in the first calendar year, what do you think that means? Yeah. So that that what that means in 99% of situations is the cash flow that is owed to a player. So what does that what does cash flow mean? When a player 
sees the money. So when a player is, you know, negotiating with the team and, and, and with his agent, the two most important things they are always talking about, and they're equally important, is fully guaranteed amount of money, which we don't know yet, and cash flow structure. So when is he going to see the money and how much money is he going to see how soon? So $52 million, this is a really important distinction for us to make here on, on this show today. So $52 million is the reported amount that Gino is going to see come into his wallet in the next calendar year. That does not equal one-to-one the cap hits uh, that the Seahawks will take and incur from his contract as a charge against the team salary cap. Okay. It could be close, but it's not, it's not one-to-one. Um, it's probably actually not going to be super close, but sometimes it can be. Um, so that's $52 million. Uh, it, it could be, let's and I, we were talking about this pre-show as an example, it could be a $30 million signing bonus. Okay. So that would be prorated equally over the cap over three years due to the terms of his extension. It'd be $10 million each year. But for Gino's purposes, from Gino's perspective, he sees that $30 million up front, right? So from a cash flow perspective, his agent is saying, yeah, Gino's getting $30 million, you know, plus any base salary and bonuses that he's getting uh, in year one. Now what's, and, and I'll, I'll finish my tangent in a little second here, but there is one other thing I want to highlight here. And I'm starting to see some of this um, come across from some of the over the cap guys. The Seahawks have historically used recently what are called like deferred option bonuses uh, with their contracts. They used it with DK Metcalf and most notable, notably they used it with Jamal Adams. Now that $52 million that 52 million number is actually high uh, from my perspective. And it made me wonder, are they, are they just giving him a huge signing bonus because they really want to keep that 2023 league year cap charge, you know, as low as possible because they don't have like a multitude of cap space this year. They're not drowning in cap space by any means. Um, so, it's possible. I'm not reporting anything here, but just looking based off of what Seattle has done from a front office perspective with their recent contracts is that they used a deferred option signing bonus here. So what that means is that 52 million number could be comprised of three core components. Number one, his original signing bonus. We don't know what that number is. Number two is 2023 base salary. We also don't know what that is, but it's likely going to be the league veteran minimum, which is like $1.5 million or something like that. And then the third component might be a deferred option signing bonus. They use this in Jamal Adams deal to lower that 2023 cap hit as low as possible. So what does this mean in like English and layman's terms? That deferred option bonus basically means, so it's like a second signing bonus. Basically the Seahawks are required by the contract to, op- to execute another option in a, in a in like a year from now, hence why he used the word calendar year. So it'd be early March of 2024 league year. They would execute a second option, a second signing bonus for him that would prorate a re- over the remaining years of the cap uh, of, of his, of his contract, but it wouldn't affect 2023 because it's being executed in 2024 the 2024 league year, if that makes sense. So it's, it's like a deferred signing bonus that he wouldn't, that the team would execute, wouldn't execute until 
next the next 2024 league year. Again, not reporting anything. I'm just saying based off of that $52 million number being actually pretty high from a cash flow perspective, I think uh I think they're 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 using some techniques here that they have used in recent contracts with Jamal Adams, uh, DK Metcalf, and then Bobby Wagner as well. In 20, as his deal was in 2015. So. so does that does that mean that they could they could have like a 10 million dollar signing bonus this year and and like another 20 million next year and that the the, the that only. Th- Three million of it would be counting against the cap this year. In some case like that, it if it was like a ten million dollar signing bonus and it was prorated three point three three over those three years, yes, that would mean he would only get three point three three this year. And but it's all in an effort to protect that year one cap hit of this year. Right, right. right? So they could with that deferred thing. The way you're saying it's like the important thing for folks, and not everyone cares about this. I care about it, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. Hopefully, you care about it too. But but that what you're saying is the way that the bonuses work, signing bonuses work, is that they are prorated over the, the length of the contract. So again, if it's 30, year, 30 million and it's a three-year deal, $10 million each year, the player gets all 30 million up front, but from a cap hit perspective, it's, it's prorated. Mm-hmm. So this deferred bonus option is essentially playing with that same game and saying, okay, we're giving you a $30 million signing bonus, but we're really gonna make it two different signing bonuses. The first one's gonna be a $10 million signing bonus and now you get $10 million this year, and that's only going to count $3 million against the cap this year. And then we're basically, we're going to give you $20 million next year, and that would count $10 million against next year and 2024, 2025, exactly. which is interesting. Uh, and this is where you get into some of the concerns about dead money showing up in the, the final year of the deal um, that you're going to have to deal with the more you're, you're pushing um, cap value later as opposed to having it even. So that's the downside of doing something like that. So yeah, it's just important to note though, that like, this is a technique that the Seahawks have used recently in contracts. Jamal Adams had a 12, a $12.5 million in 2023 exercised uh, option bonus, which is a, which is, was the second signing bonus for him. So Got they've it. done this to protect that year one upfront cap hit. So then whether they do that or not, um getting back to kind of the the guaranteed money part of this deal it really feels like this could be two years and less than 30 million apy like that's that seems pretty feasible as the 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 guaranteed part of this and then there's there's this whole thing about likely incentives that can push it up i'm sure there's incentives attached to this that can allow him to earn much more but everyone's saying that it's a three-year, $105 million deal and his APY is 35. I will guarantee you right now, guarantee to the point you can play this as much as you want on Twitter and make fun of me, he's not getting 35 million a year as part of this deal. That is not the way this deal is gonna play out. So every time they tweet out that kind of contract, it's always less. And the question is how much less? And it wouldn't be surprising to me if his if it's going to be under 30 million with incentives that can bring it over. Is that, is that where both of you are, Jeff? I mean, I don't know if that's where your, your instincts are. Or do you think, you think it's going to be above 30 million? Um, I'd say probably somewhere close to 30. I think it could be under, but 
One thing I know about just from dealing with agents, and I wrote that story kind of projecting where Gino's number was, and I thought it's somewhere be. I projected in that article I wrote for our site a couple weeks ago. I said around 30 to 32, somewhere in there. So I still think it could end up closer to 30 than 32. But again, one thing I know about dealing with agents, they always put out the highest possible number if they see all three years. And if that third year has funny money and it's exactly structured like Evan was talking about, I'm starting to think it could be right at that 30 million mark or even under. And again, Derek Carr today came out, he signed a four-year, $150 million deal for context. We got the actual numbers. It was a two-year, $60 million deal with a potential $10 million bonus that came later. So what everyone was saying was a $37.5 million cap hit was closer to 30 or 33 at the most if he gets that bonus. So that's $4 million less. And I had to imagine that contract kind of prompted this. And so if they're saying 35, I think somewhere around 31 or 30 or 29, it's probably the real number. So I see all these people celebrate. Gino got 35, I told you. If that's the ceiling of what he got, there's no way Gino got 35. This is, I know we don't have the full details, but this is all relative. And I'm just, I'd so much rather take this deal than what the Giants are going to pay, you know, whatever his face is called, Daniel Jones up up in New York, or even versus the Derek Carr deal. Like, this is this is a pretty reasonable deal from the franchise's perspective with the details that we have so far. Well, think uh, about this. I mean, Gino's, Gino's performance last year compare that to Russell's performance over the last two years and compare it to the deal that Russell signed before last season. Now, Russell's got a lot of track record. Gino doesn't. And there's reasons there's difference there. So what? Contracts are what you're going to do for the future. I would bet, like, I am much more comfortable having Gino on this deal than I am having someone like Russell on the deal he's on. That sounds obvious, but it's also reality. I, th- I think that there's, I don't know that you're going to find many deals when this is all said and done that are better quarterback value for money than what we have with Geno Smith in Seattle. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at, Evan. Yeah. Um, so let's talk for just a second about implications because um, people are immediately jumping to this. Uh, Jeff, do you assume that because the Seahawks have signed Geno, does that make it certain now that they're going to draft a quarterback early to you know learn under him? Does it make it certain that they won't do that um you know any any like reactions to what this means for the seahawks draft strategy at the quarterback position i think it leaves all options on the table which to me is the perfect strategy to me it's not the matt flynn that's a little more money than that and i think it's a perfect hedge it gives you the best of both worlds if you see someone at five that you can draft you're only committed to Geno for probably two years max three years so it gives you that Smith-Mahomes exact scenario where Geno Smith could be the Alex Smith. At, conversely, like say you don't sign Geno, you have to probably sign another quarterback or you have to trade up to get a quarterback because you're probably not going to be comfortable sitting at five. So this gives you the hedge. and if Or if you want to take a defensive end or a defensive tackle, you could take a quarterback later. You could take a quarterback in the fifth round. You could take Hennon Hooker in the third round. 
it gives you the flexibility to do whatever you want, stick to your board. And the worst thing you want to do is go into a draft desperate quarterback, like say Carolina, who's going to have to trade three years of first round picks to move up. The Seahawks, if they don't sign Geno, they're going to have to move up in the draft. There's no way they like all four of these quarterbacks. So you can sit at five and take a defensive end. You can move down or you can still take a quarterback at five. And then you have that best of both worlds thing that a lot of people do want. So, no, I think all options are on the table, which to me is very favorable for Seattle in a number of fronts, trades, draft picks, might slide someone down to you. It's, it's a really good situation for them. Evan, what's your what's your instinct here? Yeah, no, uh, I don't. I think the people who are there's there's several people on Twitter that are like, oh, this means Seattle's not drafting a quarterback. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm not sure that's the take. I think, like Jeff said, this leaves all options on the table. Um, I think there's going to be an out in year two. I think these numbers appear to be fairly reasonable. Uh, let's see what the guarantees look like. But I don't think in any way – this is not some – let's be clear here. The Seahawks did not just make a three-year firm commitment to Geno Smith. Mm-hmm. Let's say that again. The Seahawks did not just make a firm three-year commitment to Geno Smith. We're happy for him, but they didn't commit to him. Yeah, that's how I see it. I, I don't think any, I would say nothing changes. I guess that's, that's too extreme because even this morning I was starting to write an article and I had to, to stop because I had to run out, but I was go, starting to go through the scenario of like, okay, what if the Seahawks decide to really go all in on a quarterback early? and they build around a young quarterback, and they decide not to sign Geno. Like, there's one guy that, for me, is kind of a player that I would consider in that scenario, and that's Stroud. Like, I, I that, that's the guy that, for me, you could start building around right now, and I think that uh, he could be he could be a pretty early, uh, you know, early talent, early uh, production kind of guy. I think a lot of the others I have some more questions about. But in any event, if you went that direction, then I immediately, when I started playing through playing that out, it was like, okay, well then receiver becomes kind of a higher priority, you know, early on. So does center. And like, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, we're building like a young offense where we have two young rookie tackles. We've got, you know, some young tight ends. Like you can go more tight end in this draft too. Like there was a path there where they just went like, we're going to build LOB, except it's going to be on offense. It's going to be young. It was going to be like super talented and it was going to be under club control for multiple years. That is now out, out the door. I don't see that as an option because they just committed, even if it's on like a reasonable deal, we're still talking about around 30 million per year to Geno Smith in the quarterback position. Even if you draft a quarterback at number five, you're not getting some screaming deal at the quarterback position from a cap perspective for the next two years, year three, maybe, but even then some of this deal is still going to be counting then. So you're basically then down to, for a first round pick, the last two years of the rookie deal where you have (laughs) to, to try to like spend your cap dollars on something other than quarterback. And that really shrinks your rookie QB window. So I will say that for my money, I still think it's the wrong strategy to draft a quarterback number five this year. Um, You know, we've gone through it over and over again. I know there's a lot of folks that feel differently. I think it really 
narrows your chances of you know having a large Super Bowl window. I think you have to win in a smaller window, and I think it's harder to to build the roster that way. But I agree with you both. I think it's definitely on the table. I think it's it's in the Seahawks' best interest to make sure everyone believes it's on the table. And I would say the odds for me are like at least 70-30, probably 80-20 that the Seahawks are going to go defense with that first pick. Um, I think I think that, that there's such glaring holes elsewhere. It would surprise me if the Seahawks decided to sign Geno and draft a quarterback with that first pick. It would not surprise me at all if they signed Geno and they drafted a quarterback later. Even later. after you saw that Anthony Richardson quote about Pete Carroll cooking? Yeah. I mean, look, they I'm sure they like Anthony Richardson. I'm sure they like some of these other quarterbacks too. I have no doubt. It Okay, it let me let me ask me. you a question, Brian. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Seahawks are at number 5. Yeah. They're sitting on the board. You know, they're they're We're going to do uh, this by the way in just yeah. a few minutes. So they're, this is this, this is real. They're on the fucking clock, okay? Yep. Anthony Richardson is available. Are you nervous? Do the Seahawks select him? I'm nervous no matter who's available when the Seahawks <laughs> are picking. Let's be honest. Are you nervous that the Seahawks pulled the trigger on him? I'm hoping that they don't. It, 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 I mean, this is assuming like Stroud and Young are gone and that, you know, two of the other defenders like are gone and maybe my favorite defenders are gone and maybe it's Jalen Carter or Anthony Richardson. That would probably be the most challenging situation where Wilson's gone, uh, you know, um, Will Anderson's gone, the other two quarterbacks are gone, and so it's AR and Jalen Carter, who I think there's a lot of questions about. In that situation, that's probably the closest I'd get to being like, okay, if they pull the trigger, I get it. Other than that, I'm going to be wanting someone else. You feel differently, or where are your, where's your head? I'm not on the Anthony Richardson train. Just okay. For the record, like I, I, I was texting you guys this. I'm still a get plowed for Stroud, you know, train type of guy. Like I'm all about it. If Stroud's at five, I'm sorry, you have to take him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You have you're to. You're not sorry. I'm. Not, you're right. I'm not sorry. Fuck anybody else's opinion. If Stroud is there at five, you take him. Non-negotiable. Um, but. It'll be interesting to see how these quarterbacks shake out in the top in the top four. You know, there there's going to be some trades. I think Carolina's going to make a move to 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 move up. Colts could as well. I just want the draft to be right now. It sucks. So I see people. Someone's talking about that. And Jeff, I want to come to you next on this and and get your impression. But that someone said our our window is now Gino's contract. Um, that we have two years with Geno's. I don't feel that way. I feel like this is what the Seahawks have done is they have put themselves in a situation to, you know, be a contending team for the next few couple of years while they build up other parts of the, the, the roster. And there's nothing keeping them from having this entire massive part of their contract, their cap go away and roll into five years of a rookie contract or rookie QB contract 
two years from now. Like they, they now have some optionality about when they decide to pull that rookie contract, rookie QB contract trigger. And if they didn't do it this way, if they just rolled in with the quarterback, the rookie quarterback, then they are all in. You don't go top five rookie quarterback and not sign the veteran without saying like, this is our window. And I just don't believe the Seahawks are in their window right now. I think they're at least a year away from really opening up the window. And that's if they have a great draft this year um, for other positions outside of QB. So that's why I, I don't, I think what the Seahawks did is buy themselves some time um, with what they did. Uh, we're going to get the, the mock draft here started in a second, but I'm just curious, uh, Jeff, your thoughts on the, the QB implications and is there a QB that, like if, if Anthony Richardson was on the board, anything that you'd do, um, anything, how you, how would you feel? Um, depends what defensive players on the board. I, I can convince myself into this idea of like Anthony Richardson playing behind DK. I mean, playing behind Gino, like developing him. And then you set up maybe like the biggest athletic freak combination you can imagine with Anthony Richardson, DK Metcalf. That's like uh, Cam Newton to like T.O., with Kenneth Walker, like that is the freakiest offense. Like you can imagine, but like, listen, the guy's a project. Like he's not a sure thing. He wasn't good. He's had 14 starts or something at Florida. Like that is the biggest projection you could probably make with a top five pick. Like he has freakish talent. He had probably one good game in college last year. So it's nerve wracking. It's exciting, but it's something I could buy myself into. Like if we're talking Will Levis, I'd be a lot more nervous. Will Levis has a lot of Carson Wentz to him. He's got some Justin Herbert and Josh Allen to him too. So it could go either way. I wouldn't have ever guessed that Josh Allen would be this good when they drafted him. But like Evan, CJ Stroud would be my top guy. I even had a Bryce Young. But just talking to people and going through scenarios and hearing how Stroud was at the combine and seeing his workout, there, there's no way. There's no way he's making it to five. And <laughs> – I think that's it. If say, say Stroud's your number one guy and you're the Seahawks and you don't like the other guys, you have to trade up to get him. So that might cost you next year's first. So the Geno thing really does buy you optionality, buys time. And if you decide, okay, Will Anderson falls to five, we'll go through these scenarios now. You can look at so many different options. You can look at Stetson Bennett in the fifth round. You can look at all kinds of different options where you have Geno and you're simultaneously. It's the worst thing we could do right now. Do not pay Drew Locke. Do not pay the Drew Locke. Go with a rookie. I don't know what round, but Gino and a rookie is exactly the depth chart you want next year. Uh, I love that comment um, about Drew Locke. I, I feel like the worst thing the Seahawks could do, and a lot of Seahawks fans feel differently. I think the worst thing the Seahawks could do is sign a veteran backup. They are not in a contending window. They don't need someone who can guarantee that they have a chance to win the game if they have to, if Geno Smith gets hurt. You draft a rookie quarterback, not in the first round by my money, um, that you have not invested significant dollars in, and you're playing the lotto. If that guy hits, you now have a franchise quarterback for far less than you would have to pay. People forget, like the top, the, the price tag for a top 10 pick, a number five overall pick at quarterback is not cheap. Like it's still pretty damn expensive. And so if you can get uh, some guy in the third round, fourth round, fifth round, or maybe you get lucky like the 49ers in the last pick of the seventh round, 
I would much rather them every year until they're ready to go all in at the, that position, draft a guy later and see if he, if he, help, if he uh, hangs. And if not, you cut him and you move on to the next guy. So like that is such a better, such a better strategy. And the Seahawks have been so bad at that for some reason. Yeah. Um, I don't get it. So I pulled up a uh, Tua Tagliavoa's, Tagliavoa's contract. He was the fifth pick in 2020. So the exact draft slot Seattle's in. Uh, year one, 5.5 million. Year two, 6.8 million. Year three, 8.2 million. Year four, 9.6. That is by no means. Those are cap hits. Those are not salaries or bonuses. It's a pure cap. And the, the, the cap's gone up significantly since 2020, which was a COVID year. So you're looking at the very least 5.5 million year one up to year four of his contract, which is 9 million. So as you said, that is not a cheap contract. Um, so I'm going to try to get it so that we can share our mock draft. So give me one second. First time doing screen share with our new setup. And ooh, I may need to hop off and hop back on. So um, I can talk for a little bit. Don't worry. Talk for, talk for a bit, and I'll be back. Um, if something crazy happens, we will restart the show. But everyone, yeah. just hold on. Yeah. So this is going to be an interesting exercise because I'm curious how the mock draft simulators Brian's going to run are going to work because I don't know if. It, Everyone's gotten a chance to see uh, Peter King's column today in uh, for NBC Sports. He writes that Monday morning column. And Peter talked to the Bears general manager who has the first pick. And he basically admitted they're trading the pick away. He said they're, he confirmed Justin Fields is staying. He says he has four or three or four offers already. And he said he even came on the record and said he feels confident enough they're going to get not only a next year first, a year after that. So he thinks they're going to get basically the Trey Lance package for that pick, three first round picks. So the interesting part for this draft specifically, and you see Carolina, they don't get Carr. They're kind of giving their, they're putting their hands right in the middle here. They, we know what they're doing. They're trading up. So Carolina, I think, is going to trade either to one or three. And I don't think enough people talk about the possibility of Arizona. So you, you look at these mock simulators here and like, one trade is really going to shake this whole thing up. So that seems to indicate you can see this tab. Is that right? I can. I see Chicago on the clock, which unfortunately I don't think will ever happen. But again, the same four players might be gone by the time we. Yes. Yes. So here's what we're going to do, folks. Um, uh, first time trying this. I think Jeff and I have been going through this and we've been really talking about some different scenarios. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start this draft. We're going to do two round mocks to start. We are going to do some full round mocks uh, a little bit later and feel free in chat, you know, chime in with what you want to see happen, what you're thinking about, what, who you'd want them to pick. But Jeff, I've been thinking about like what it's going to be like on draft day. We're going to be live for the entire first round for sure. We might be live for the entire second round. There's a lot going to be going on in day one and day two. And it started becoming really clear to me that like every single pick, <laughs> like there's going to be so much drama about what's going to happen. You mentioned the trade. 
we can't really mock that very well here. We could change the draft order if we wanted to, but it's kind of stupid and boring to like guess where Chicago will go. So let's just assume the order is what the order is. And if you're the Bears, uh, where do you think, like, like, let's assume for a second, like, it's your point. This is going to be a little bit messed up because we're not going to be able to predict. But do you expect, where do you expect the Bears to go when they trade down? Do you expect them to go outside of the Seahawks? Or do you think they're just going to try to trade down a few picks? Uh, my initial thought was that they were going to trade to two or four so they can make sure they were in position to land that top defensive player. But hearing the GM, like I read Peter King's call today, and he seemed really open to the idea of moving down outside of Seattle. And he was just talking about how they can get potentially three first-round picks for that kind of move. And he said there are seven or eight players that they view right now on their board as willing as a top, as a number one player. So they're comfortable with seven players that are not quarterbacks. So my thought is they're going to end up at nine. Or and it might interesting. Be, my thought is they might end up doing two trades. They might flip with Houston and then trade down again. But like if you watch some of those offensive linemen and you see what Chicago really needs, like a Paris Johnson or a Skaronski, like if you can get three first round picks and still end up with Paris Johnson and Skaronski, is that better than just Jalen Carter or just Will Anderson? Like I'm starting to think that might be. That's that is the question for me. Like the the issue with Chicago and why this is a tricky thing for the Seahawks is if you're the Bears, you now are you're pretty committed to Justin Fields. You saw enough from him to say, like, this guy could be a great quarterback if given the right um, supporting cast. But if that's the case, you look at that offensive line and it's a disaster. So in, in like if all things are equal, their top priority has to be protecting Justin Fields and it has to be offensive line. That said, there is not an offensive lineman worthy of taking the top five picks. There just isn't. Now, it also is a – it's an offensive tackle rich draft. So the downside for Seattle is if I'm the Bears, I don't feel like I have to take an offensive tackle with that first pick. I could probably go defense first and find a great offensive tackle later. So one problem that they made, and they've created this problem, they traded the 32nd pick away for Chase Claypool. If they had that high second round pick, they would be in such a good spot right now. They have two second rounders, the first, and the ability to gain more. The gap between one and I think 52 or something. They have Baltimore's second round pick. I think it's somewhere in the 50s. Yeah. That's so if you that. see it there, it's 54. So if they don't pick offensive line, they're not getting a tackle until 54 or just that's anything. a great point. That is a massive gap, and it's why I think they're going to be comfortable moving down further than people expect. That is a great point and very encouraging because I think if you're a Seahawks fan, what you're really cheering for is the Bears to either fall below the Seahawks and trade get traded trade with a team that wants a quarterback. The other thing that folks should know is like in almost all cases, when teams are trading up, they're trading up for a quarterback. It is rare, and in, in these top 10 picks to be trading up to draft something other than a quarterback. And so all it takes is for one other team, because right now Indianapolis and Houston, are we both agreed they're going to take quarterbacks? Yeah. And they've made it. 
Very highly likely. So all you need is one other team to go there to guarantee that at least two of the defensive linemen that you want or might want are going to be available at five. That's all you need. Yeah. So I think you're hoping that Chicago trades out unless you are someone who still is really set on the Seahawks drafting a quarterback at five. I'm not. So, so for me, it's a little different. If you are, then you, <laughs> you want to see Chicago stay in the top five and draft a, you know, draft a defensive player or something that Seahawks otherwise might want. And that would increase the odds that the Seahawks would draft a quarterback. So let's do this. Let, let's get into it. Um, I've got the settings here to go really slowly. So people that have been doing this on their, on their own at home, they're going to see this is going to move slow because I'm going to pause each pick at least at the beginning here to, to talk about implications. Um, we'll pick up speed as we go along. We won't do this every rendition, but I think it's important to kind of go through this pick by pick. So we're going to start this draft. Let's see who who they have. Um, they have Will Anderson going first to the Bears in this draft. All right. All right. Your favorite guy is off the board, Jeff. If this happens, what is going on in your mind? All uh, right. Instant gut punch. I think it's just like the cleanest evaluation you can get. Um, he is just such a good fit for the Seahawks scheme. He perfectly fits the three, four. So right away, I'm already starting to get nervous. Already starting to do some math. Already starting to think maybe here comes a quarterback. Are they going to reach? Like I'm already starting to get nervous. Who like right now, if this happened, who is the guy that you're hoping is still available for the Seahawks to pick? CJ Stroud. Oh yeah. All right. All right. I, I don't think. See, I CJ Stroud definitely the guy of the quarterbacks that I find like I have the most confidence in. Um, I think he's going to be the number one overall pick. I, I think he. I think there's very little chance he's going to drop to us. But let's just see. I've done some of these where he has. So let's keep going here. Houston's now up. Houston's going to be taking a quarterback. They take Bryce Young. Bryce Young, interesting here. After the combine, what's your read? Is his is his value increasing, staying stable, or decreasing? Um, I think in the media, you're, you're not going to hear his name as much because of just what Richardson and Stroud did. But I think internally in the league, he, he's been exactly the same. And Houston is this team that's kind of being identified as his match. They play in a dome. Um, he's The way he's kind of – he doesn't have a massive arm. Them playing in a dome is a really, really good fit for them. He's like a super high-character guy. They, have, they New England has a lot of their staff working now in Houston. And – there's a lot of ties to the New England staff in Alabama. So I think Bryce Young still has a pretty strong – he's still considered the best, like, pure quarterback. It's just the size and the physique. It's not just, like, his height. It's his frame is so rare, especially with time with Tua in the NFL. But, like, if you're chasing upside, Bryce Young's not your guy. The other two are the guys. Yeah, this one's interesting. I, I think his – He's been essentially the consensus first overall pick since for a while. And I think he's fallen a little bit. I think that he's fallen a little bit in the sense for, because of the frame stuff, mainly because of that, his height checks in at shorter than Russell Wilson, like just over five ten, just over 200 pounds. And I do think that's going to give some people pause. And then the other part is I think the other guys gained. I think, I think even Levis, gained i'm not sure he's he's definitely not above young i wouldn't think he might be on some boards um but he stroud and ar15 all 
had really good combines. Um, and Levis showed off as an athlete as well. He's a fast dude. I even think, I'm not saying Stetson Bennett is going to be in a first round, but I think he had a great combine. I think like there is some other quarterbacks that started showing up a little bit. So I think Young's on the decline. It would not surprise me. It would not surprise me if Young ends up being the guy that's available for the Seahawks at five, and that would be really weird. I would not. I would. We need Evan. We would need Evan for that. Dana would hate that. <laughs> I mean, she really does not want a short quarterback. She's kind of done with that. So, okay, so let's keep going. Um, already some uh, some intrigue. Now we're at the yeah. Cardinals. This is where they, I... take, they take Jalen Carter. So this is where I'd start sweating. But this is where I'm not sure the simulators have caught up yet. And I don't know if you saw this. Mike Sando did a mock draft today where he pulled executives in the league. Jalen Carter did not go in the top 10. And Jalen Carter, like before the combine, if you look at any like media draft rankings, was the number one player on the board. So if this situation happened, like this gets really, really interesting for Seattle. But like... Going in before the story came out, consensus was Carter and Anderson were the top guys, and then a tear down. And I don't know if the boards have updated yet because I'm in the league. I'm not sure that's the consensus anymore. I think there's going to be a lot of teams, including we might want to know in another scenario. I think there's going to be teams that take them off their board. There might be. And let's spend a second on this while we're talking Jalen Carter because – he had a rough combine, man. I don't know if anyone else had a arrest warrant out for them during the combine, but like more details came out. I will tell you my timeline, even our chat now uh, is full of Seahawks fans that are like, that guy can't be drafted by Seattle. I don't want him. And there's a lot of misinformation, but there's also a lot of accurate, uh, like people are misunderstanding some of it, but like I heard someone say like, I don't want someone who's, you know, committed vehicular homicide. I'm like, he, he, he didn't do that. But what he did do is one chose to be in this race, this with, with other folks on the team. And two, when the crash happened, he left the scene. As far as I understand, I haven't read every single report. I don't, I can't claim to know all the details, but that's what I understand to be true. And so you've got a guy who is racing people that you'd assume are his friends who got in a crash and he left them. And if that's the case, it's hard for me to connect that Jeff to a guy who's ready for the spotlight and that you want to be a centerpiece of your team and build around. Um, you know, I, I will say as I don't know, gracefully as I can that, kids don't always make great decisions. None of us do. And maybe in a moment you make like a really bad decision. He's scared. He knows that it could screw up his, his life, his draft, all this stuff. And maybe he's trying to run. He doesn't make a smart choice. Maybe it wasn't a sign of his character as much as it seems, but it doesn't look good, dude. It doesn't look good. And you add that up to what I think was a pretty disappointing college playoff performance in the two games he played. I don't think he was, he was great in those. And some character questions that already were lingering. I think you're right. I think he's falling. And I think the guy that we were almost all saying, this is the guy that would be perfect for Seattle. Now, 
I don't know if anyone is sure that they want him on Seattle. And yeah, that's a and huge, you, and, huge shift. And you think about two things. One, Arizona has a completely new regime. They have a general, new general manager and a new coach, and they've been just a horseshit franchise for a long. I don't know if you guys saw the survey. It was they look pathetic in a lot of ways. But this is the first pick of their new regime. <laughs> that would be a hell of a dice roll. So there's a lot of people who, if Will Anderson not there, or they might think Tyree Wilson's the guy. I think if Arizona stays at that spot, I think that's a guy to look at. And number two, like if I don't, Pete and Pete was on uh, Mike Florio's show at the combine, and he did him and John. They kept hammering the word character. They they said it like three or four times. And they asked Pete why he drafted so well, and that was the, the area he went to right away. So if that's their public emphasis, it really makes you wonder about Jalen Carter and how they're going to view him. So I don't know if it's a bullshit buzzword or they've just decided to talk like this, but you look at Arizona, they're making the first pick as a new regime in Seattle. He might slip out of the top five, which two weeks ago would have seemed absurd. Okay. Um, and I promise folks, we're not going to spend this much time on each time through, but these are all like first time through. We're talking about some of these implications. All right. So let's, let's keep going. Jalen Carter's now off the board. Colts are on the clock and there it goes. CJ Stroud. That makes sense. I think there's just so much. Uh, I think there's so little chance that CJ Stroud is going to be available for the Seahawks. But now the Seahawks are on the clock, and let's take a look, folks. This, For folks that haven't seen the way this works is we now see who's left on the board, and we've got opportunity to trade back. We've got an opportunity to pick and stay where we are. This is showing, based off uh, Pro Football Focus's uh, their ranking, this is also the average draft position based off of what everyone that's been running mock drafts in public, so you can take that with a grain of salt where they've averaged been picked and they're showing you he's these are the top guys available so i think jeff for us <clears throat> this is really a tyree wilson anthony richardson conversation yes yeah is there anyone else that you're like hey man maybe this guy maybe we should think about any of these guys uh, unless you move down no and this has been Sort of like the this is feels like the pre combine scenario. Like every mock draft you had read before the combine basically had Seattle taking Tyree Wilson and kind of went through this scenario. I think the equation has changed starting with Jalen Carter and starting with the quarterbacks you mentioned. But this basically every mock draft I had read before this weekend was kind of putting Seattle in this scenario. And I really think it's those two guys. And if this is the case, which I again I don't think it will be, but it's, it gets to become a really fascinating decision. So good question in chat. And folks in chat, tell me, Seahawks are on the clock. What do you want them to do? This is the scenario. Again, I'll scroll back up. Uh, you've seen Will Anderson, Bryce Young, Jalen Carter, and CJ Stroud are off the board. Your options are to draft one of these guys or to trade back. We're going to look at the trade options in just a second. What do you want to see the Seahawks do? Show us in chat. Give the show a like if you haven't already. Okay, Jeff, question in chat was, why is Will Levis being dismissed so quickly? I, I, I have some thoughts on this, but I want to know your your evaluation there. Um, I, I'm not sure. Like, I, I don't, uh, My reason is I see a lot of risk with Will Levis, and I don't think 
he fits the, the value for me as a number five pick. And maybe I'll eat those words later, but there's a lot of things that we saw last year once his offensive line started deteriorating and his best wide receiver, Wondell Robinson, went to the NFL. You just saw a lot of like lack of pocket presence. You saw a lot of turnovers. And frankly, you just saw a lot of stuff where he kind of looked like Carson Wentz. And so I think there's just more concern with him. And yeah, he's got a rocket arm. But I think the tantalizing upside of Richardson is just hard to pass versus Will Levis. And Will Levis is going to be liked by a lot of teams. And like, I know Rob Staden, who I do a lot of kind of shows with on the side, he, he thinks this guy might be the number one pick. So Levis is a guy that like, I know he really likes, but I think there are a lot of teams to me. It's just, I think the tantalizing upside of Richardson and kind of how Levis kind of took a step back this year after a really, really promising junior season but I, I think there are going to be a lot of teams that will like Levis, and I don't think it's far fetched to consider him as an option. I can see Schneider really, really liking him. Why do you, Why do you think you see Schneider really liking him? Just some of the qualities he's liked in quarterbacks before, um, the tr- the traits, the, the the athletic build. He's got apparently a great like leadership role. Like apparently he's just like clean off the field, like beloved in the, at the whole college, and like as a prospect, he reminds you a lot of Josh Allen turnover heavy and that was one of schneider's favorite guys and i I know that's probably an easy connection and there might not ever be another josh allen but i just if you remember how josh allen was talked about at that time it's very similar how levis is talked about now so i can see if that's an indication of future interest but some of the things that and another one too is that levis's best college year came with liam cohen who was the rams offensive coordinator was their coach at kentucky was their oc it's coming from Shane Waldron's offense, essentially. So they have a very clean evaluation of what works for him and it's the offense. But by the time, if you have Geno and Levis, by the time Levis actually plays, who knows if Shane Waldron will still even be there. So uh, it's just, I don't know. I would not feel comfortable taking him over these two other guys. How about you? Yeah, um, and I'll sign into my PFF account so we can actually uh, look at these guys. Uh, uh, draft profiles but yeah my my read of levis is that he is a much more he's already i think more polished as a quarterback and inconsistent and so i guess i have some questions about whether the fixes for levis are going to be as straightforward as i think the fix that as like anthony richardson as much as like i'm not all in the way some folks on Anthony Richardson, I can at least the narrative for there is he hasn't started a lot. He hasn't had a lot of experience. And so you're getting a guy that you can now mold and coach and groom. Levis feels like more of a finished product who already has some problems. And, and he's, so he's older too. Yeah. So I, I just, I mean, I like the fact that he's a good athlete too. Like, I think that's a, a bonus. He's not, he's not just a, a statue back there, but, and he's got a great arm, but he just doesn't scream. He doesn't scream like huge upside um, the way like to me, like a, a Stroud or, or even a Richardson does. So I, I just, I'm not as excited about Will Levis. He's not really on my board, I guess I would say. Um, so who do you want that? Oh, actually first, let, let's take a look at the trades and the trade options. 
So the the way this thing works is it, it, it like comes up with trades and it comes up with what are being offered. So the, the ones that are being offered are like the first one is Tennessee at 11. You can, we can force it and say, hey, we just want to trade back less. But for the time being, I mean, are you entertaining going back to 11 at all? No, to me, that's a disaster situation. If you look at who like kind of is in that nine to 11 range, it's a really bad fit. It's the offensive tackles, it's the cornerbacks, and it's like the second tier defensive ends. And to me, Seattle's put in a situation where they have that top five pick to end up with, say, like Miles Murphy and an extra second rounder or like Devin Witherspoon, who's, who's a really good prospect. To me, that's just a huge missed opportunity. And even if you get their first rounder next year, like to me, it's not enough to give up just the kind of talent you're looking at here. Yeah. Yeah. So we will talk more about some trade scenarios and some of the, the next mock drafts we do after we get through this, this one. Um, we're not going to trade here. Like we're just going to, we're going to leave that for a later one. Uh, Jeff, I'm going to give you the choice this first time through. Who see all you have the card? You're walking up to the podium. What is the name that is announced? The Seahawks, Seattle Seahawks select blank with the fifth pick of the 2023 draft. For now, I'm going to say Tyree Wilson. Tyree Wilson is the Seahawks, the newest Seahawk. That is. I debated Anthony Richardson very strongly there. I, I kind of wanted to see her head explode. <laughs> Derek said that I should pick a, a center, which uh, I think that everybody would really appreciate. Um, hey, we still got another pick coming up here. We do. We do. Uh, so uh, we're going to keep going. Christian Gonzalez is now off the board. He's a great corner. Now Will Levis goes to, I think, going to LA or to Las Vegas makes a ton of sense. Yeah, like they could um, sign say Jimmy G pairing with Levis. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Atlanta's on the clock. Um, they take Skaronsky. Now we go to the Carolina Panthers. Richardson. Carolina takes Richardson. Makes a lot of sense. Like to be a whole Cam Newton re redux. I don't think it's. I don't think he is Cam Newton. By the way, I think he's a better passer than Cam Newton was. But um, in any event, that would be an interesting story. Eagles are on the clock. They take Quentin Johnson, top receiver on the board. Devin Witherspoon goes to the Titans. JSN ah. goes to the Texans to pair with, I think Bryce Young is, is ah. who yeah. Gut punch How too. are you feeling right now? If that's what happens, Jeff. That hurts. I don't think the Seahawks will take, I spent so many years hoping they take the receiver. I don't know if they'll end up taking, but I think of all the scenarios I've run him falling to 20 to me, he's one of the better bets. Like his profile reminds me a lot of Justin Jefferson, how he was talked about. I think he would went in the same range. I think he'd be just the perfect guy to bring in with Gino. And one of the things you've watched in this offense, they don't have that like quick guy who, who wins routes from the slot. That and that's his whole game. I, I, I it's being gut punched here, but he didn't come out with him. So he is off the board. Um, is there any part of you that thinks there's any chance the Seahawks trade up from twenty? No, I, I just think the players that go in this range, they're all kind of the same. Yep. Yep. Okay, Jets are on the clock. They take Paris Johnson, the first offensive tackle off the board. Then Miles Murphy. Then Joey Porter, cornerback. Nice. Broderick Jones, the next tackle goes off. Bijan Robinson goes off. Everyone can sigh relief. We're not dropping a Brian 
I kind of learned how to pronounce his last name off the board. Jordan Addison. So this has been coming up for me a lot. Mr. Wow, Simmons. A, a lot. Crazy. Elijah Cansey oh, yeah. has been sitting there every time I've run this mock draft. He's been sitting there at 20. He's one of my guys. You know that. I, I've been like excited about this guy since well before the combine. And I love his athleticism. I love how disruptive he is. He measured in at 30 inch arms. That's a big deal for a defensive lineman. Why is it a big deal? Because uh, essentially, if you're playing a six-seven offensive tackle with 37-inch arms or 38-inch arms, and he can reach you before you can reach him, you and he locks you out, you can't get your arms to him. You cannot extend. You can't get any leverage on that player, and you're pretty much out of the play at that point. The offensive lineman has won. So you have got to be so much faster. You've got to get be able to be an excellent hand fighter to keep hands off of you. This is why. For people that don't understand, this is why defensive linemen take martial arts. This is why they work on all these hand fighting moves all the time, because they're trying to keep offensive linemen's hands off of them. For guys that have 33 or inch arms or longer, you know, even, you know, whatever, then they're in a much better position to hand fight and to potentially recover from an offensive lineman getting their arms on them. Cansey with 30 inch arms. That's not great. The The thing that I will say is he he's tested off the boards athletically. He has been a guy that in college has made plays not by leverage, but by being so fast and so quick that guys can't get their hands on him. He has just been a mover. And by the way, Aaron Donald, who also went to Pitt and was also an athletic freak and has a lot of similar athletic measurables. Elijah Cansey is not Aaron Donald. I'm not saying he is. But Aaron Donald had 29th percentile arm length. He also had short arms. Longer than Kansi's, but still short. So you can be successful in the NFL with short arms as a defensive lineman, but it is hard, and it's not something the Seahawks have typically looked at. What I see with Kansi is this guy would be on the uh, outside. When we talk about defensive ends in the three, four, people get confused. This is not an edge player. He's not a, an outside rush linebacker or something like that. He would be one of your outside defensive ends. So you've got your nose tackle, and then you've got two guys on either side that are probably in the 280 to 300 pound range. That would be what Kansi would look like. So I, again, Kansi's a big guy. The other guy that you and I have talked about a ton, Jeff, is also there. Brian Branch, one of my favorite players in this draft. I think maybe the best secondary player overall. Can play safety, can play nickel. I think there's other guys here. I think Lucas Van Ness. I think Dalton Kincaid. These are all some, some interesting names, but those top two. Nolan Smith is another one who jumped off the board. Zay Flowers, like there's a lot of good players available here. What are you doing at this pick? What I'm do you starting to wonder if I should have taken Anthony Richardson, seeing all his defensive ends still sitting here, right? Why we're going through these scenarios? But how about this? Can we like since we took Tyree Wilson, who has the biggest arms imaginable, can we kind of like balance that out with the small arms to come out with like pretty normal size arms combined? Does that work? <laughs> like. Well, see, here's what that does is it puts your first two picks on the defensive line. 
And you're taking a risk. You're rolling the dice with Cansey for sure. Like there's a chance that this guy, like the, the arm thing becomes such a big deal that he's just is not effective in the NFL. It'd be a huge miss. But if he hits, you now have potentially two thirds of a newly, newly made defensive line. Um, well, depending on where they play Tyree Wilson, like, I don't know if he's going to play a similar edge, like end position to Cansey because he's 275. He could come in and potentially bulk up a little bit and be one of the ends. Or I don't understand. I don't think at 275, I don't think he's going to get much lighter. So I don't think he can play the three, four outside linebacker position. He's got to be one of the ends, right? So you're basically talking about two essentially defensive tackle style players um, in the three, four, but, but on the end side of them. So you, you'd have either side, you'd basically be missing a nose tackle. Maybe it's Al Woods. Maybe it's someone you draft later. I'm okay with that. So, so let's, let's do that this time around. We are going to take, I think we will talk about trades later. Um, I think this is for me, this is the pick that you absolutely look to trade. Um, we're not going to trade the first time. We're going to play it straight. Um, I think you become like this is why like there's a lot of these names I would yeah, be happy be to see called by the Seahawks and what that means to me and probably will mean to John Schneider is trade dude trade down maybe even to like 30 like trade down 10 picks and pick up another second rounder pick up you know like pick up as many like as many in the top 50 to top 70 as you can. I think that's we're in the sweet spot right now, this draft, where there's a lot of guys that are in the same range. So, but for now, we are going to pick Kalijah Kansi. He is now a Seattle Seahawk. We are going to move this along a little bit to get to Brian Branch is gone. Say like, See, this is the problem with training down, though. Everyone you like just went. I know. That's Every the thing. Drew Sanders is another name. And so we are going to get all the way to the Seahawks again. Oh, my God. And this has been a tough spot for me, Jeff. When I've done these, a lot of the guys that I liked are gone now. Like, we talked about Branch, Lucas Van Ness. I like Zay Flowers. I like Osiris Torrance. I like Dalton Kincaid. Not saying they should take him early on. I think Cam Smith is – I think Nolan Smith is interesting. Michael Mayer, Drew Sanders – so, like, there's a lot of names that are now off the board, and now you're looking at some of these Let's guys. down a bit. There's one name I'm looking for, a certain tight end. Not him. You want a tight end? Here, I can look for a tight end. Like, number 71, um, that has not updated yet. That needs to change, yeah. I, I, we're going to play this out as, as it, as so it stands. We can get him later on. I point. think we can get him later. I think we, I, I actually think this is not as you and I have talked about this a little bit. I think because Washington is not the classic pass catching tight end, he, I think he could fall to the late second round, but That's I'm good. with you, dude. I, I'm with you. Um, Man. I think the question for me here, Jeff, is do you go center? Like, do you, do you, do you guarantee yourself? Because the difference, the Seahawks after this, you're going another 14 picks until you get to your next pick. Um, You could have both the centers gone. So you could have, there's more than two, but like Luke Weipler. Well, when you look at the tests, Whipler and Schmitz really tested in the areas that Seattle liked. Like they came out of that draft, their Seahawks profiles in every way. 
I don't so, Pittman's, I'd say a third option, but I like those two. Deontay, Banks, too. Deontay Banks to me is a top 20 pick. Like if he's in there, like ooh. that's the thing, right? Like, like I, mean, I think a lot of people would freak out if the Seahawks took a cornerback right. here, but like that could that could potentially be your like they, they are not set with Michael Jackson as their cornerback opposite of Tariq Woolen. And even as much as we love uh you know Kobe Bryant in the snickel, I don't think we're locked in there either. Like I think I, I basically would assume so. I also think Josh Downs is an interesting guy. Um, you know, he is the the slot receiver that I think the Seahawks really need. Daywan Jones is like a six, seven, like 374 like crazy guy. Mazzy Smith is interesting. We don't have the nose tackle. Mazzy Smith fits the nose tackle um, option. A lot of people from Wazoo will tell you about Henley as a linebacker. We don't have a good linebacker situation. I will tell you, Jeff, for my draft strategy, linebackers lower in the draft. I don't love the linebackers that much. I think that they can fit, figure out linebacker and free agency. I think still think Bobby Wagner is going to sign, and I think they're going to potentially sign somebody else too. So – the other guy we haven't talked as much about uh, is Tuli, uh, Tui Palato. So if we didn't go two linemen to start, yep. this is a sweet spot for him. Right. So, like, uh, agreed. We, we already drafted we two. We took so. a, someone, a receiver at 20, a Zay Flowers at 20. That's where Tuli might make sense at this spot. Yep. So here's where – here's where um, – we're gonna we're gonna give you this entire this first pass through the draft. Where yeah, do you go? I would take Deontay Banks. You take Deontay Banks. Seahawks are trying to rebuild the best secondary in the NFL. He would be he's a top 20 talent. I don't think there's any way he's in there. All right. So now Hendon Hooker's another name that a lot of Seahawks fans like. I don't want us quarterback in the first two rounds. Um, even really yeah, the I first think three. Darrell Wright is gonna and we're on the board now. Josh Downs and the centers are both there. I, you got to – where are you going? Uh, for me, you got to go center here. I would go center. I would – they have Whipler over Schmitz's. Yes, they you have Schmitz. you take Whipler? You know, oh, the other option here, Jeff, is your tight end. Yeah. I mean, those the, that's the option to me is either Schmitz, Whipler, or Washington. I think based on positional scarcity, you have to take the center. You know what's interesting? This has been updated. Brents was way, way down the list. He's all the way yeah. up at 62 now. That's yeah. a guy that I really like. Um, I really like this draft. There's so many players. Keanu Benton's in there. Washington. Yep. Yep. This is a, and this is, we're way down the list here. Exactly. Dorian Williams has been flying up the board too. Like that's another guy. I know I said I wasn't yeah. linebackers, but but I think he's got a couple uh, another second rounder, a second. So third. like, what are you doing, dude? This is this is a, this is a who do you want? I'm gonna take Schmitz. Yes, there you go. Way to stay true to your. your I've been on this guy this whole time. Yep. I, I'm excited, dude, I'm ecstatic right now. If we yeah. have two defensive linemen and a center that I believe in. Holy shit. Come on. I mean, I mean, you might have Woolen and Banks as your corners who are like, and we could have done that draft very differently. Yes. Let's see so, what grade we get. And I screw their grades, but, but it's always, it's hard to not just pay attention to grades. I, yeah. I think that is a draft I would be super excited about. 
off folks in chat would love your reactions, what you're thinking um, and how you would have done things differently. I don't know why this has taken so long. Um, I'm going to go ahead and sign in now. And this is going to cause this whole thing to ah, actually maybe. There's, that is not easy being a GM. Like that, those picks. Hard, every, right? Every pick I'd be sweating out. There was like seven good options in every one of those second round picks. Yes, it is tough. And we we didn't even entertain trades in that. So yeah, the third round. Uh, Washington. Okay. Are you guys okay? I'm gonna share this tab now. Are you 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 see in this tab? Yep. Okay. So we're gonna do another two rounds and we're gonna do this one faster. This one's gonna be faster. I will take the picks this time. We're gonna talk about the implications as it goes through. We're gonna start doing longer drafts and folks. I mean, buckle up because we're going to be here a little while. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. I'm so happy to do this with you, Jeff. This is yeah. fun. We're going to slow well, it down. I'd be doing this start. on my phone anyway right now. So I know, right? So, um, and by the way, we can, if we want, we can modify these settings. How much right now? They've got it mostly like attuned to how the public is drafting. Can we um, move Carolina to one? Is that possible? If you want, we can do that. Let's do, do let's do one more like yeah, straight okay. up. We'll leave it as it was. And then we'll start playing around with things a little bit more. Two okay. rounds again? Sure, let's do it. We're going to do two rounds again. We're going to do a couple quick ones because there's just a, I think this first two rounds are going to be like, they're going to make or break this draft. Yeah. Um, yeah. So here we go. This time, who do the Bears take? Will Anderson again. So this is like hard for Jeff. Bryce Young now goes to again. Christian Gonzalez. <laughs> okay. What? That's a huge upset, right? Huge upset. What are All you right. thinking right there? What does that mean? Is that uh that means you're, you're not getting Jalen Carter or CJ Stroud on the clock, which was a different, totally different scenario than last time. Jalen Carter, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson potentially, and and then uh Tyree Wilson. Now yeah, I think we'll see here. I, I'm expecting this to be CJ Stroud. So Let's see what happens. And there he goes. All right. So now, now basically Jalen Carter is sitting there for the Seahawks. And um, I'm going to piss off all sorts of people here. And I'm going to like, I will tell you. As a Trailblazers fan, I have sat through that team drafting Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan and Greg Oden over Kevin Durant. And it was so, it was such a terrible thing to just live through that. I think Jalen Carter could be a Sam Bowie or Greg Oden kind of pick. He has bust potential for sure. I understand why everyone's like, take him off the board. He might be. Without knowing more about him as a person, what I think I would do here is I think I would take Jalen Carter. I think I that the potential here is this is the best player in the draft. That's the potential. I haven't seen it yet. He's not my guy. So for what it's worth, this is not like me saying exactly what I want to do. This is me putting myself in the Seahawks shoes and thinking through what they would have to do. And the potential to have the best defensive lineman in this draft on the interior at that position, I think that that's, I think that's a, a real possibility that they would go there. Yeah. The other option is that they could look back at trade. And so that's the other thing here. If it's me, 
what I'm doing with with what's available now is I'm I'm actually more interested in Tyree Wilson, and I'm now trying to add more picks. So I'm gonna actually entertain this, Jeff. We didn't we didn't do this for you, so uh, yeah, you'll get your chance. But I'm gonna look and see what the Raiders are looking at, and if we trade them five, and they trade us seven, and thirty eight, so we just get an extra second round pick. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Pretty good. After going through that scenario, now we get three of those second rounders. Yeah. And we're still getting, we might still get Jalen Carter. Now I've said online, I'm not trading back from five unless I get a first round pick next year. I don't think you can get a first round pick next year, moving down two picks. I just, I don't think it's realistic. I think going through that scenario, that really puts you in a good spot. I think if you go to nine, if you go to nine, exactly. So, I am looking at this and I'm thinking the problem if you go to nine is you might end up out of, we, you mentioned three guys on the board. Well, so let's talk about it. The, the, if I, I'd be looking to maybe going to uh, let's look at the Panthers. Now see, they have 39. That's the other thing is the, the Raiders have 30. Well, that's not that much of a difference. So if I'm going here, I'm looking at getting round one next year. And then I'm also trying to get, like probably 61 and in order to do that you're gonna have to give up like something like like our chances you know like so i i think i think that realistically you'd probably be doing something like this you get around one pick next year to move back yeah which i mean it is tempting but like here's what what happens carolina moves up carolina becomes a picks a quarterback Detroit likely picks one of the defensive players right yeah maybe Jalen Carter figure Jalen Carter's gone Raiders pick a quarterback Falcons what do they do say they take Tyree Wilson see that's the question is is do you lose Tyree so like I think would you take Nolan Smith or Van Ness at nine and be comfortable Right. So that's the question. I, I think the Raiders pick is the interesting one. This is what I would try to do. Let's see if we can get this done. It's accepted. So we've now moved down two spots. So we're going to keep going see what happens with the Raiders. They take Will Levis. And there goes Jalen Carter. So we've got exactly the scenario that I think I would have liked to see happen. Yeah. Um, you've picked up another second round pick in that sweet spot we were talking about. And now, for folks that want Anthony Richardson, he's still there. Yeah. And, and quite honestly, like, let's just take a look at the trade option. Can you let's trade down again? Right. You could look at this and say, hey, we want 39 as well. Yeah. Now, I think that's true. What's that? They, they don't give you much of a chance there. They don't give it much of a chance. I think that that's unrealistic. If they're trading up to get a quarterback like that they want, it is worth more than – it is easily worth the second-round pick. To I agree. I think it's the flaw of these machines. Yeah. So the the question for me is – it gets a little bit silly. I see people sending these mock drafts where they trade down 17 times and they have 45 picks. Like, you can't have that many rookies on your team. So. Yeah. I don't know that I really am ready to roll the dice here because I think you potentially lose. I think you lose Tyree Wilson. Yeah. You definitely would lose Anthony Richardson. So I'm going to take Tyree Wilson here. So you and I both ended up in the same place. I just gave myself the option to trade. 
So we're going to move this along a little bit faster now. Miles Murphy. Okay. Oh, damn. And now the Seahawks are on the clock. And again, there is Kalijah Kansi. Um, so this is where it gets kind of repetitive, right? Like, You're not going to take Van Ness and Wilson. They're the same kind of player. Yeah, I don't think it makes sense. Um, I'm not going corner this early. I think Nolan Smith is an option here. But, um, yeah. You know? Two edges, though, to start. Yeah, I think he's a different – but, like, he is a different size. Like, if you look oh, at Wilson, yeah. right? Like, this guy – He's coming in at 235 pounds. This guy is a is a three four outside linebacker like that is just twitchy as hell. So he is he is a different player to me than Tyree Wilson, and he becomes rotational with Daryl Taylor, and he comes rotational with Chenonuosu, and the Seahawks don't have like Boye Mafe. He's not Nolan Smith from an athlete perspective. Like I, I'm not worried about potentially upgrading at that spot if, if that's where we go. Um, so I got to tell you, like, I am likely in the same spot that I was, I'm going to take a quick look through here. You know, if, if, if Jack, you know, Jackson Smith, uh, and Jigbo was available, maybe I, that's one guy that I consider, but otherwise I'm sticking with Cansey and people are gonna say, Oh, this is so boring. Well, we're going to, we're going to play around that. You'll, you'll see some different choices here in a bit. We're also going to do the full draft here. So now we get to the Seahawks and we've got 37 and 38. So we've got back to back. Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Because of the trade back. So, you know, you pick Deontay Banks. I don't, I don't know enough about Banks to say that this is a guy that I'm ready to, to go after. Well, Six foot two, two oh five is is great. Four, three, five. They got to rank two. 18 overall. That's why I, I, I mean, he's, that is that is ridiculous. He's a freaky player, man. Like he looked like what the best moving corner. At... Yeah, basically what they say. He's a first round through and through. Like I don't see how he gets past Minnesota. And the interesting thing in here is they got him as a big slot. I, I did not expect six two to be a slot corner. I mean that's that's impressive. Um, and so you look at some of these these pieces here, and um, you know outstanding tackler like that is pretty appealing i gotta say i gotta I say i don't think i'll be on that board but yeah most likely not um you've gone defensive line first two picks so yeah i mean it's hard to it's hard to argue i, I kind of you're gonna get two picks back to back so we're gonna take one of them is gonna be deontay banks and then the other one this is where it gets interesting like I start to look at receiver. I like Josh Downs quite a bit. I don't know how much you know about Josh Downs. This guy is not a big receiver. He is the classic slot receiver. Um, he is someone who gets like, you see what they talk about here. He is one of the best players in this class and not telegraphing his breaks, striding away from, this is the guy that Seahawks need. They need more guys that get open in critical situations in the middle of the field for Gino to be able to hit. So I think this is an interesting option because I think that you can gamble and get your center later. Um, the other options for me here are looking at some of the uh, tight ends. So like I, I like Luke Musgrave. I'm a fan of his, um, 
but I think in this case, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take Josh Downs. Yeah. I think that's the right pick. So now you've got, you've got like a really powerful three receiver set and we're hoping like Drew Sanders was still available. That was interesting. I missed that. If I had looked at that, I might've looked at Drew Sanders as an option there for sure. Um, Darnell Washington goes right above. So this is, this is where it's tough. Um, for me, I'm taking center here. We took uh, Schmitz before. I'm going to take uh, Whipler and call it good. So, and we'll see if we actually get a grade this time. <laughs> me and you, I feel like we'd run a similar draft room. So far, so far, right? But this is part of the thing. Like, um, it really doesn't want to analyze our drafts, Jeff. I think we're, we're breaking the system. So, I think the biggest change there was obviously we did a trade back. We got an extra pick. Um, let's go ahead and do another mock. I'm just going to not wait because it's yeah, just taking too long. Um, you said you want to start changing who who's in what part of the draft order. Where do you want me to move the Bears to? See if you move them to nine. See what happens. Move them to nine. Okay. So, whoops. I think I got to do this. Drag and drop to reorder. Hello. Brian's still learning how to use a computer for folks that are curious. Um, Chicago goes to uh, – we could make that easier, quite honestly. All right, wait. No, it still didn't do it. There. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, it's fine. Uh, that's good. All right, we're good. So, um, so you actually still at five. Yeah. So let's, all right, let's run this and we're going to, we're going to make this a three rounder. Okay. Yeah. We need some more picks. Yeah. So let's see how that goes. The Panthers are on the clock. They go ahead and take Bryce wrong young. Like, so that happened real fast. Bryce young, CJ Stroud, Will Anderson, Will. It's looking less and less likely that your boy is going to be available to the Seahawks. No, it would have to be the scenario where Arizona takes Tyree Wilson, which Daniel Jeremiah did mock. And I think I've seen other scenarios where Arizona takes Tyree Wilson or if somebody trades up for Richardson, and that could be a Raiders. You could go four quarterbacks in the first four picks. But, yeah, it's hard not to see Arizona, their first pick of a new regime, just taking a clean guy like that. But Tyree Wilson could appeal to them. They like that those traitsy guys in New England. All right. I'm going to ask if you're cool with this. We're going to take a different path this time. We're not yeah, we we need could look at we trading back. We're going to take Anthony Richardson with this pick. You cool with that? Yeah, I think we need to see the scenario. We need to see how this plays out. So we're going to take Anthony Richardson right here. Let's just take a quick look to see what trade options are so we can think about this. <laughs> it's not going to be Chicago. That's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, this thing's stupid. So Let's go ahead. We are going to, for all the AR-15 fans, we now have Anthony Richardson sitting behind Geno Smith for at least two years. Oh, again, he never makes it. All right. So now here's what we're going to do differently this time, Jeff. We are going to trade back from this spot. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a lot of so, names here. I like. Yeah. So how far back are you willing to move? Probably inside the top 30. Okay. So we can either look at Jacksonville at 24 or we can propose a trade 
to one of these teams lower. Jack, can we get 55 from Jacksonville for that draw? You want to see if we can do that. All right, let's let's take I doubt it. Let's uh we have to, you know, if we're talking about getting 24 like 20% yeah, chance. chance. Let's go lower. Okay. Where do you want to go? So pull out that drop down there. You see if what's what else is being offered. Uh these are the these are the the ones that are interested. So we, yeah, okay. after 24, it drops down to 37. We'd have to propose a trade to one of these teams, which is totally fine. So what about you can say, pick uh, 27 or 28? Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go to 28. Um, actually, let's look at both of them and just see what they've got. So you've got really, you know, yeah. Let's let's look at 28. You've got the 59th pick. So you're going to go this. And you're going to go this. So this, in this case, you're definitely going to be able to get that that deal. You could get greedy and get potentially look at this and trade like four, you know, one of your other picks. Twenty eight and fifty nine seems pretty good to me. So let's let's offer this. See what we get. This trade is rejected. They're probably smart. Um, let's go down one level. We'll go to 2758. Um, and we will ask for 90. 4% chance. Well, yeah. So we haven't we haven't made our our uh, our good offer here yet. Um I don't think these are looking good. So I, I think like we could do we could do this. Um I feel like maybe what we want to do is go a little bit higher. Yeah. Like, so maybe we look at like Jacksonville the Giants maybe 25 like that's around like I think what I'd be wanting to try to see yeah I think that's good well two let's seconds see what we got here no they're not interested nope. let's look at the Cowboys see if we can get that 57 they're not interested no. we might have to stick here we yeah so our options are like we can they didn't do that either yeah it's pretty interesting like this is a this is a good deal that they're just not wanting to move and i think part of it's like some of these guys yeah so i mean as we look down here i think uh like the eagles are a team i've looked at a couple times um and i think that this is something that's interesting to me right um, let's just give this an offer real quick. That's not taken. But if you, oops, I think we're out of trade offers. So we now have to go ahead and trade. We, we've, we've run out of time. We are out of books. <laughs> so if that happens, let's take someone other than Cansey. We've taken, we've taken AR. Actually, because we took AR first, um, Cansey might make sense. Lucas Van Ness. Let's take a look at Lucas Van Ness. We yeah, haven't talked about him really. This is a this is a lighter dude. So this is where for me, I just don't know that he fits for the Seahawks. No, like, is he gonna I, really be able to put weight on? No, and he's and he's a pure like bull rusher. Like he doesn't have a lot of pass rush moves. He was a backup at Iowa. They they are weird with it. They play their starters. So like Versatile I see him as O lineman. I don't think he's an O lineman. Yeah. Um but basically yeah, he, he's been more of an edge rusher. I don't 
I, I just don't see this guy as a good fit for the Seahawks. He's not even. No, I think he's great board. in their old defense. I think Nolan Smith becomes an option here. So do I. I think he's maybe uh, other than Cancy, who we've talked about. This is a guy who I think has some really like potentially top ten upside. I think, I think Zay Flowers is another name. Let's talk about him for a like second. Pair him with Anthony Richardson and those guys. Right. So now, like, you've drafted a quarterback. You could start to say, let's, let's make sure we're giving him the weapons because, you know, Tyler's getting older. Um, you know, he's pretty small, though. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. But he's well, he's fast. Yeah. He is he is blazing fast. Um uh, four, four, two, forty. So he actually is like a lot like Tyler. Uh, I think I've heard. Yeah, Daniel Jeremiah actually compared them. Yeah, the, the combine. I mean, this is the this is exactly what I want to see in a scouting report about a Seahawks receiver right now. I just think that they have too many guys. As much as I love DK, you know, he is not a break open kind of player that often. So I think if you're whether it's Gino, whether it's Anthony Richardson, like that really is what they they're missing in their offense. So I'm going to go ahead and say, like, are we agreed to take uh, Nolan Smith here? Yeah, I'm fine with him or Zay Flowers. Which do you prefer? You make the call. If I draft Richardson, I'd probably take Flowers. All right, I think that makes sense. I think that makes sense. So now we've got a really look different looking draft. Now you've got two offensive players off the board. You've got a shit defense that's not gotten any better so far. But that's what this um, is for. And so now you're in this situation, man, where, like, you're in, like, some nastiness, like, on the defensive line. Like, these are yes. not – This looks like an old Seahawks draft with these second-rounders. Yeah, so let's let's look at Will McDonald. We haven't talked about him. He's a smaller uh, – he's kind of like a Nolan Smith. He's Nolan Smith. Not as explosive athletically, but and yeah, light. I think that's a good. And he's twenty four. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, this guy is is fast. He's definitely a good edge rusher. I'm just not like, I wouldn't. I feel like this is a little bit of. He's not Boye Mafe, but he's like he's on the older side. He's Daryl Taylor. Yeah, if he's Daryl Taylor, I'm more excited. But like, he's just not. But I think, like, we look at the Seahawks, and, like, I don't think they need the speedier edge rushers. I think they need, like, the bigger, stronger dudes. Well, let's take a look at Felix here. Uh, I think he fits might fit that category. No, he's still – he's 255. I thought he was heavier than that. Um, you know, this is a guy that I think is interesting. He's younger. Um, you know, he is a guy that could potentially play 3-4 outside. Um, and – you know, I guess he's also a better run defender than some of the other guys. Like Nolan Smith is not a great run defender um, by most. So I think you're looking at some of these options. Uh, I think we're back to, I mean, I don't know why Deontay Banks is available. And yeah, I don't know what's going on. It's a little weird. I think, uh, is it uh, Ojolari? Yeah. Ojolari. Is another guy that's interesting. And I think, like has has kind of been moving around the draft boards. I feel like this guy is, you know, from a athletics athleticism standpoint and age perspective, is a pretty interesting option. Like he has some upside that some of the other guys don't. Um, so I don't know, man. Let, let's not take Banks because we've already done that. Assume he's gone. 
where think, are you looking in this? I think like this is Felix. Yeah, Felix. This is the other guy we haven't talked about. He had an outstanding combine. Yeah. Um, so this is a guy that. Well, I don't know why it's not showing anything, but um, and they talk about here the most impressive performer at the combine. This is a guy that is two eighty. He's a lot like Cansey in, in the athleticism standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. Four four. He ran faster than Cansey. He, you know, crazy split. This is like, this is like what Will Anderson's split was. Yeah. And he's doing it at 280 pounds. He 37 half inch vertical, broad jump. I mean, I don't know, Jeff. I mean, this is the kind of guy, like they, they, they didn't even have like analysis ready because I don't think anyone really expected this from him. No. And he was a senior bowl guy. He's a guy that looked good at senior bowl practices. Still trying to figure out he, he fits in the three four. He could play on the edge and be an explosive kind of player. I don't know if he's going to be two gapping a lot, but it's a pretty interesting guy. Those edge rushers look pretty good early, but look now that we've gone with a double offense draft, I, f- I don't feel great about it. I, I like what we did earlier a lot better. What do you think about if you're doing this offense draft? What about going for a guard? Going guard here and then center next. I mean, <laughs> why not really just g- lean in on? Like, okay, your defense is crap. This is not the year you're going to fix it. Or or you're going to go, you know, maybe free agency is more your plan there. I don't know. Like, I don't think they have the money to, to spend a lot on free agency there. Yeah, they can get a couple of contributors, but I don't think you can build an entire front seven. Like, I just think of how many times last year, I mean, you are banging about how bad the front seven was and spend no draft picks on it. I know it's it's frustrating, but here let's look at let's look at a guard here. This is a big dude. Um, yeah, he's, he's Mike more Mike Upati than that. Right, like he also has some center in him, um, yeah. and so uh, he's a good pass protector. Like I'm kind of of the mind, Jeff, where you kind of go in, um, and and maybe like you just create a great offense as best you can and i think we should play this out just to see the other option is to go tight end we haven't talked about luke musgrave and washington Um, on the board i think this guy is great i think that that uh you know darnell washington's another option i think a little bit later so here's what we're gonna here's let's let's play this out for a second let's go ahead well let's take either um tight end now or interior offensive line now you pick so i'm gonna i'm gonna pull just those positions up um i like the idea of musgrave if we're going all in all right so that means we're not going after washington later so if you go center see what i'm thinking is you leave center to the third round and play that game and see what happens so you're thinking guard Tight end center. Yes. Or okay, tight end so guard center. Let's take Avila. There's okay. Let's take Avila and see how that plays out. My guy Voorhees, who's dropping down the draft board anyway, had an injury during combine. I'm so upset for him and for us. Um, okay. Oh, so a little bit of a run on center. So Schmitz is off the board. So now, and, and Ringo is also a guy that I. Yeah, he's kind of slipped through our. God, he's dropped off the. He was a top 10 pick when this all started. Yeah. 
He is really dropped. On, is we also dropped? missed out on Thule. Um, I think he was an interesting guy. But okay, so basically now we have, still there? Yeah. We've got Wipler. So we've also we got yeah. Let's let's do Tight the uh, or Washington. Right. So you're not going to get Wipler in the third round, and no. you're not going to get Washington in the third round. What do you do? I think you have to take Wipler. I think you do too. I think it's just such a big. We're not going through this Creed Humphrey thing again. Well, and and you have tight ends. Like it would be yeah, great. Like, I think want, we both really like Darnell Washington, but we've got tight ends. Okay, so we're going to take Wipler here. The offensive draft continues. Um, and let's, let's move Washington. this along a little bit faster. Yeah, this is a big drop. This fifty to. Okay, so now we're all the way down at eighty-three. So we could go that route. Um, for folks that don't know Sam Laporta, let's take a look at his big dude. Um, you know, uh, reasonably fast. Uh, uh, this guy is a guy that is a tackle breaker. He's like he's a he's a good weapon. I'm not so sure that he's clearly better than any of the guys we've got. No. So. For me, where I start going here, even though we've had an offensive draft, this is where I start looking at um, corner. Now, DJ Terrence is a guy that. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, DJ Turner had a really good combine from Michigan there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brents would be an ideal pick at this spot. Yeah, Brents is a guy that I have been starting to think at, at this spot. He's gone. Um. The other is let's take a look at 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 defensive linemen since we're here. Um, so I actually really like Garrett Williams. Um, yeah. I think he's a pretty interesting player for people that don't know Garrett Williams. Uh, this guy's six feet, so he's not the tallest, but he's he's definitely tall. He had uh, an ACL injury, so he's coming off an ACL. If he didn't have that, this guy was going to be a you know, first round pick. Um, and he is an excellent cover corner. Um, he plays outside. This guy becomes like very likely your, your starting corner opposite of uh, Tariq Woolen. So this is a guy I really like. Um, anyone else to you that kind of stands out here? You're like, uh, keep scrolling. Moro Ajomo looked like an interesting guy at the combine this week. Yes. Where did I miss him? Yeah. So for people that don't know him, um, this is a big dude. He, he'd kind of be in the three, four, three, four end kind of uh, spot. You know, this is more of a run stopper. He's yeah. not, he's not much of a pass rusher, which is yeah. a big deal. Cause we sucked at stopping the run last year. Let's yeah. That's what you kind of get in the third round. Right. Right. Um, I mean, it does start to get a little thin, doesn't it? It does, which is why uh, going through these scenarios. So, I was actually ever since we far off on that, yeah. Uh, that's why I think you got to go defense early in these drafts. I agree, man. I mean, 
Because there's just there's running backs here, there's corners. We're gonna take Garrett Williams and then we're gonna rerun this and we're gonna do we're gonna do yeah, one no. full draft. We're gonna do it, we're gonna do it faster. I, I didn't like that draft. <laughs> Wish this thing would actually show us the results. Be nice. That, that, that was the one of the three or four that I really feel shitty about. Why? What what like I agree, but what felt wrong for you about it? Um I don't think we made our team a lot better. I think we created one strength and I think just I'm watching this team play and say you're trying to beat San Francisco, like having a really good offense is great, but like they can't be that bad in the trenches and you want to play the Eagles and you want to play the chiefs who, yeah, they have Mahomes, Kelsey, but they're the, one of the best offensive lines in the league. I think you need trench difference makers and yeah, it would be exciting if Richardson hits and you got all those weapons. It's like, listen, you're going to be a contending team for a long time, but I we saw the Russell Wilson years where they were, had Russell Wilson playing at MVP level and they were weak in the trenches and they couldn't really get past the first round. And everyone thought all those years it was Pete's fault and whatever, or Russ's fault now that we've seen more. But I think if you want to be a great team in this league and sustainably good, you've got to be – I mean, we saw the Chiefs did that year when they lost the Super Bowl. They, they redid their whole offensive line, and I think they're just a much more sustainable roster now. All right. We're gonna we're gonna run through a couple full drafts, and we're just gonna talk through this. And, and the, if this starts getting really repetitive, which it might already for some folks, but we're <laughs> we're, we're nearing the end here. But let let's see let's see how this goes because I think it plays out over the full time. You learn something about some of the players along the way, which is always useful for me. So we're not moving draft order. We're just gonna play this out. Um, <laughs> they're gonna, you know, and so we're, we're, we're really like starting to get into this kind of rut, right? Where these are the guys available. I think you and I are both Tyree Wilson. Yes. Yeah. I think at this okay. point. Yeah. I didn't um, like that last draft. I think you, I, you and I both, am I right? We would look to trade back here. Yeah. But only to the Raiders. I don't think I'd yeah. trade past. The Raiders. I think I am at the point where I'd be comfortable with either Richardson or Tyree Wilson. So the ability to add a pick in there is good for me. Yeah, so let's go back and do this again. Um, we can try to get an extra pick, but let's just let's just do this. Great. So we've got that. We're gonna resume. Oh, Tyree Wilson is gone. Okay. Well, so I gotta tell you, man, I don't want to draft Anthony Richardson. Would you take Smith and Jigba here? I wouldn't take him here. I would start trading back more. So uh, what about Skaronsky? Skaronsky is an interesting option because, you know, you can play him at guard. Everyone thinks about him as tackle, but I, I think he's the best offensive lineman in this draft. And I think getting him at guard and getting a center would be freaking massive. So let's trade to nine. Let's trade back. Let's trade back. Um, so... I think we want to get it. I think we want to get thirty nine. Yeah, I mean, totally. if they don't, if they don't want it, they accept it. All right. Yeah. So they're taking Richardson. They got their. Oh, they did it. <laughs> this thing is so. Yeah, okay, I, I think that order would flip. Yeah. There's no way, but anyway, Richardson would be gone one way or another. So now we're in this situation, Jeff. I don't think we're trading back more. It doesn't. No, make we sense. got four. We got four second round picks now. So now this gets interesting, man. Like you got the receiver, you got the potential um, guard, you've got 
branch. Like those are three guys. You got corner. I mean, Christian Gonzalez, Devin Weatherspoon. Devin Weatherspoon's still available. Yeah. We haven't talked about him. We should talk about him just for a second. I mean, this guy, you know, he is a really, really good corner. Um, you could basically you're talking about with either him or Gonzalez. We also haven't talked about. I'm sitting here down here. I'm shooting this this uh, podcast from Eugene, Oregon. I'm not even talking about Christian Gonzalez. It's a it's a travesty. This guy's a natural corner. I think he is high floor, high ceiling dude. Um, yeah, great athlete, safe good as tackler. A pick What's that? Sa- almost as safe as a pick as you can get. I agree. I agree. Like, uh, you know, I'm not a huge Quentin Johnson guy. I don't know about you. you. Like, no. he's a big dude, but I I don't know. I don't I, like that big dude that's not physical. Like, that's Yeah. Him. Yeah. Yeah, and I just feel like he plays a role that we've already got. Um, yeah, he is, play. we have DK. It's kind of so, dude. It's tough. Yeah, God. I I want people in the chat. I want to look over. What is everyone else saying? What do you want them to t- pick? Start hitting them out in the chat. I would love to know what people would want to see done. Um, Jeff, where are you leaning? I would want Skronsky and build the best offensive line you can build. I'm with you. I, I'm with you, dude. I, I think that's where you go. So this is different. This is going to be interesting. So now uh, Skronsky's a Seahawk to play guard. We've only got an offensive tackle. Now here, do you go Brian Branch? I think you go Brian Branch. You're just getting two like great football players. You're getting – this is a Baltimore Ravens draft. What's That's what I mean. Right this is the draft I've been kind of hoping for for years. So, okay. So now we've got we've got Brian Branch, and now it's going to start getting interesting uh, as we get into the second there. Yeah. So we've got a secondary player. We've got a guard. Um, we know we're going to take center later. We don't need to take center now, but we have not gotten anyone on the defensive line. So Felix, um, we, we're looking at Felix, Will McDonald. We have not taken a receiver yet. Um, so like I, I don't lo- like I think uh out of a war out of a worry, I don't know. Yeah. Man, uh is an option. Um I don't I, I'm not comfortable taking Henley this high. Really? Uh let's just check a little bit on uh where's there, there we go. Linebacker. And Drew Sanders is available. So, so is Trenton Simpson. But we Those got both we have three picks in a row. I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah, I know, dude. So, like, let, let's pick the positions for a second that we're interested in. So I right? think we need a defensive lineman here. I think I think based on what we've seen so far, right? It gets really thin. Yeah. At that spot. So I think. Felix, you can go Felix and Adam Ware. Right. Now, Andre Carter, like a lot of people are asking, I do not love Andre Carter. No, he's, are, I've heard he's a fourth round, fifth round guy. Like, like he's been skyrocketing, like in some of the draft positions. I, yeah, his stock has gone way down. I, I heard he needs a year to redshirt just physically. Like, if you look muscle mass, Army apparently does not have a great weight training program, which is. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
And I just don't like his fit, like physically with what the like again, he's a tweener. You don't want these guys in the like 260, 270 range for the most part. You want 280 or above, or you know, kind of like 250 and below. And yeah. they can move their weight around a little bit, but he's just this is who he's his natural. I've been told is. he needs a year to just get in the weight, a weight training program. So I mean Sanders is an interesting option here. I think yeah, you put Sanders with Bobby Wagner or something. Like he's one of the highest upside guys here. Uh, I say um, we take Sanders with one of these picks. Well, we got choice. So, so we want which one do we want to take first? Uh, it doesn't matter. You, uh, let's take let's take a defensive lineman first. Let's take um, Sanders. Where did he go? Sanders is way down this list. Yeah, there he is, fifty-five. Yeah, I'm just looking around to see who else on this. So now we got a linebacker. Do we take do we take our tight end or do we I think we got we should. This is sort of a luxury pick. We have not taken a receiver yet, right? No, Josh right Downs here. is a great guy at this so point. So like or you put Dwayne Washington and like you think of the physical team that this, these guys can build. Yeah, so like I'm I'm tempted to go Washington here. So am I. So let's go ahead and do that and see how that plays out. So he's he's way down this list. Um, Brent's is another option, but I would yeah, like, get that too. Like, uh, see, that's an interesting one, dude. I feel like that might be the pick here. Yeah, because we that, don't have we don't have fit, it really fits the theme of what we've built here. Yeah. All right. Let's. Uh, man, it's tough because. Schmitz, I want I want to pick this dude. Well, we but, still have another we still have another pick. Yeah, let's let's see how let's it goes. So it. we're gonna take Siaki Ika, nose tackle, big, big, big dude for people that don't know Siaki Ika. Um All right. now we got options. The tight ends are there, the center's there. We've gotta look like uh sorry, let's take a look here. By the way, like one of the logical things there would have been to look at trading down further, but I, I don't think I would have. Um so let's look at tight end. Let's oh, look at the interior offensive line. So Weipler's there. Schmitz is there. So all three centers are still there. I think we roll the dice. Like, are they any they're going to be there by 83? Like, do we trade back from this? Yeah, I think that would be. I think that's what we try to do, right? So, like, I would try to try to trade back maybe – Seven picks sounds good. Let's see what we can do. I don't nineties. No, that's not good. No, I don't like that. Uh, no, too far. Like fifty-four and sixty-four, like that. That won't be accepted. But if we no. traded, like, yeah, I would do that. Like this starts to become interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Let's actually just let's do this. Let's do yeah. this. So we're we're gonna get move a back. We're end. gonna move up, right? I think this is a good move because it gives us a chance to get both of the positions we're looking for, exactly. right? Exactly. Let's see how this goes. All right, accepted. <laughs> so what happens? We lost um, Musgrave. Musgrave's gone. Okay, that's all right. But now we can take Darnell Washington. Or we can take one of the centers. There's multiple centers. So I think we take Washington here. Yeah. Or or Brents. 
Yeah, Brents is a Brents is a nice pick. Schmitz we, is there too. Who do you want, man? Let's let's take a look is at Washington the there. Oh, Washington oh, wait, did he, looks like. Did he go? Oh, he did yeah, go. Five. He went before we even got there. I missed that. So Shit. we can go Brents and Schmitz here. Brents and Whitworth. Uh, yeah, so I think I think we want I think we go Brents, right? Yeah, I think so too. So let's go ahead and I mean the other option is Garrett Williams, but let's go ahead and pick Brent. Nah, I like Brents over him. And then we're gonna dice and see do we have our center still? We have mm-hmm. Weipler. So it worked uh, out, right? Worked so out Schmitz went, but we still got Weipler. God, we, so, we got a nice looking. We got a nice looking offensive line now. Right, right. Do you know what our offensive line looks like? We got Skaronsky, Weipler, Lucas, and Cross. Yeah, I mean that's a that is the best young offensive line in football. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. And Michael Wilson's in there. Right. So now, I wish this had an easy way for me to look back and see. Uh, who we've picked without having just to scroll. Uh, it doesn't unfortunately do that, but um, let me see if I can. Uh... So again, we've got Skaronsky, we've got Branch. So we've gone, we've actually got nickel or safety and we've gone, uh, we've got a three, four defensive end. We've got, a nose tackle so we should be in better shape there and we got maybe one of the most athletic linebackers in the group in the draft now and, and we got an edge corner so we've got like we've reinforced on the coverage yeah. side Will and Brents and branches <laughs> what side. we're missing is pass rush yeah. right now and so that's the part that's missing you know i think if we're looking positionally Right, we're looking at edge. Any other positions that are receiver you know, tight end. Wide receiver, right? There's our guy Parker Washington. Mike Wilson. I do like him. Michael Wilson's Doug Baldwin's guy. He, yeah. Yeah. So let's take a quick look at, at Mr. Wilson here. Um, not a lot of information on him, but uh, yeah, he played in a terrible college team the last few years. Yep. Had a really good combine. Um, Carl Brooks is listed as an edge here, but he is a no. Four, he's a bigger. He's a big dude. Three four hundred pounds guy. Um. So, uh, Isaiah McGuire. I don't think I know about him. He's still a bigger dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think that's who we want. Uh, I'll say this: free agency has some edges, so there's some options. Yeah, do you know much about Colby Wooden? Uh, not really, not really. He's a bigger dude too. Six five. He's a three four end. It looks like. Yeah. So like, you know who else? Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. Bryce Ford Wheaton. Yeah, he he looked explosive. Uh, for people that don't know, he, like, oh, where don't they have his numbers? He had a crazy combine. Um. All right. So what are we doing here? Let's make a call. I think one of the receivers. We got Wilson. We got Parker Washington. We. You make the call, Jeff. I'll go uh, Michael Wilson. We'll go back to that Stanford. All right. 
And this is where I think we needed another. So the Ojomo still, no, we don't need Ojomo anymore. No. Here's one of the places where I start to look at this position. See, that's where Stetson Bennett, I think, is jumping out of you. Right? Yeah. Or DTR. I mean, DTR, they've got him basically undrafted. Yeah. I think Stetson yeah. Bennett, I think, is, I think he is like a prototypical backup quarterback in the NFL. And who knows? Maybe he's more, but I think that's a perfect fifth round pick. Right? I think that's exactly what I would do. Are you putting so, him with the best offensive line in the league? Yeah. So we're going to take Stetson Bennett in the fifth. We've got another pick right coming right up. At this point, you're basically looking for is there any um, running backs here? That's a good question, man. Um, there's some guys that I've liked that have been moved up the draft board. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't no, know I don't most of these guys. These um, he's a bigger back, 215. I like, I mean, you know how much uh, John likes these small school dudes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, they, they've got him as like a third round pick. Um, mm -hmm. He's an interesting option. Any edge? Um, I think that, yeah, let's look. Let's just look at all positions because I think when you're getting to the sixth round, or we're actually, we're still in the fifth round. Um, I This is a guy we haven't talked about. I really like, I know we drafted Drew Sanders. Yeah, but you, that's you a good need multiple have linebackers, there. potentially. And we talked about their linebacker depth all year last year. And say you signed a Bobby Wagner as a stopgap, and then you have Jordan Brooks, Dorian Williams, and Drew Sanders. Like That's a really good position group moving forward. Exactly. And this is something that I really love about him. Like This guy is known as a zone defender as, as a linebacker. And, I mean, Seahawks, they need it. They need good coverage linebackers. This part gives me pause, but that's why you're in the fifth round. I mean, this is yeah. this is like, to some extent, this sounds like a Cody Barton. I think Dorian Williams is a far better athlete um, and, and someone that, I mean, look at that, 80-inch wings. That sounds like KJ Wright. Um, yeah, and he could probably play special teams pretty well. Exactly, exactly. So, I don't know. This, this kind of would be a direction I would potentially look yeah, at. Yeah, I think he's the best player. All right, let's go ahead and, and we're, we're doubling up on linebacker. It's not how I would have expected any of the Seahawks draft to do. Um, we're almost to the sixth round. This is our last pick, I believe. Cunts had, had a good – had a really good uh... – What's his name, Joe? <laughs> Zach Cunts. Okay. Uh, Andre uh, Iosivas also had a good combine. Um Yeah, all right. Ronnie Bell is an interesting receiver. We've got how many receivers did we picked though? We picked just Michael, one. just Michael one. Wilson. Yeah, I think. I, yeah, where do you go? We were actually already. Did we draft a tight end? Yes, no? take it to the cunts. <laughs> you gotta go, cunts. Okay, done. Zach Cunts is a Seahawk. All right, they're gonna finish this draft. Do we get a grade this time? I would love it, man. I feel like that. I want to just see our draft in a picture because I, I really liked that draft. Yeah, I think if we came out of that draft, that's interesting though because, man, like we did the one offensive draft and it was 
if we didn't like it, it's when we started with a quarterback and then we went like receiver. It just felt, it felt like the team didn't get tougher. Yeah. It felt like the team didn't get like bigger. And this draft, even though we didn't go defense, it felt like the team got tougher. Right? Yeah. We like, got Skaronsky, Branch, Sigiaki, Ika, Drew Sanders. There's a lot of the, – the, the thing Addy, I, Addy, think, uh, I think the question there is did we get any blue chips? Well, you know, I was re- Skaronsky might be a blue chip as a guard. I think he might be. Like it's a guard, but like – you put Kron- and, and, and Weipler might be a blue chip at center. You put possible. yeah, you put Skaronski is one of the I think the cleaner players in this whole draft. And you go cross Skaronski, Weipler, Damian Lewis versus Phil Haynes and Abe Lucas with Kenneth Walker and <laughs> that's a powerful offense. God dang this thing for not working. Yeah, I really <laughs> that might have been my favorite draft. I want to see this all. I, I really liked that one. I really did. Um, so, Jeff, we're going to stop there, and we're going to just talk it out for a second. So um, thanks for everyone. I know uh, if you've st- stuck with us this whole time, you are hardcore. I mean, honestly, Jeff and I just were dying to do this. We're going to do more of this. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Probably later this week, next week, over the coming months. It's people are moving around and so the who's available at what spots is going to change jeff what did you feel like you learned what did you walk away with having gone through that i learned my dream of will anderson is starting to look like a bit of a long shot um arizona taking tyree williams or tyree wilson uh, i i also learned that like man john schneider's gonna he is in a great spot but there are some tough choices so they better do a few of these scenarios because like if you take anthony richardson at five you're not, it's going to be hard to really upgrade that defense. I know you can get some players in there, but I really hope they do a couple of these and learn the different themes and how quickly we got astray with that one draft. So I really like the second round. I like the idea of adding a second round pick if possible. I don't know if that's moving down from 20. I don't know if that's moving down from five, but that second round has really become a sweet spot where there's just, that's what everyone's really said about this draft. There's not a lot of blue, blue chip players. It's the, 20 to 50 range where we keep falling tonight. And I remember when we had those three picks in a row. There was like 12 people I would have been comfortable picking. So it's really important that the Seahawks get those impact guys early, set themselves up. And if you're going to take Anthony Richardson there, you better have a good plan of how you're going to make this team tougher and bigger. Because how many times I've heard all year, like we want to make this team the biggest, the fastest team alive. And there's a good chance to do that. You go Skaronsky and Siaki Ika, and you look a lot bigger and stronger. You go Kyrie Wilson, Kyrie Wilson, those monster arms, or Jalen Carter, and you look a lot different than you did physically last year. Where they they have the skill down. It's the the size and it's the guts of the team that was just and it's what killed me and you watching so many games last year. The guts of that team was awful, and this is their chance to fix it. I I agree. I mean, there's a few things that jumped out to me doing this, and every time I do these, something else kind of jumps out because. Look, Jeff, it's 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 an imperfect science for sure. We know that. But talent tends to move up the board. And so you, you've been banging this drum. Like, mock drafts done in December are a joke. Like, the guys that are drafted in the top 10 or, you know, end up being drafted in the fourth round and, you know, vice versa because you learn more. And 
guys like Julius Brents moving up the board, guys like Drew Sanders moving down the board. Like there's just a lot of stuff kind of moving around. So it's going to be interesting to see how that, that kind of plays out. But the thing that jumped out for me is a couple things. One, the trade down from five to seven feels like the move. That feels like the move. And I've been, I've been really trying to get crystal clear that you don't trade down from five unless you get a first round pick next year. I'm not so sure now, like a trade down from five to seven, picking up that other second round pick and probably more realistically, I think you get more than that second round pick. Yeah. That feels depending on how things play out the move. I still, there is basically no scenario I've done yet where I pick a quarterback first that I feel good about it other than maybe if it's Stroud, but even there, like Anthony Richardson is a gamble and a gamble at the top of this draft really gives me like a gamble at the quarterback position specifically at the top of this draft makes me really uncomfortable picking Jalen Carter was way more uncomfortable as a concept. Like I I'm really struggling with that notion, Jeff. And this is a guy that we were all about not so long ago. And it's seeming like there's a decent chance. Like I'm almost hoping that he, I think we're both, we're all hoping now that he gets picked before the Seahawks have a chance. They don't have that tantalizing choice. Yeah. And, and that will mean maybe, maybe a Will Anderson gets pushed down in that situation. Maybe. Cause that would be three quarterbacks and one, if Jalen Carter's the guy, maybe the Cardinals make a stupid move and pick, I don't know. And the other thing was, uh, Man, where you pick center is going to be key, right? Like, if you can manage, I think a key, key, key opportunity for the Seahawks is if there's a if the if there's not a run on centers in the second round, if they can wait till the third round to get a center, that would make like that would be huge for this team. Yeah. So, like, I think that and, – and then the other thing is, man, I really want to find a way to get uh, Washington on this team. Like, it, it was just hard to not pick that guy. Don't I really want that guy. Yeah, I want that guy on our team. Well, and we talk about it. Like, there there has to be a theme to what they're doing. And for me, it's the guts. It has to be the guts. And that's center, that's defensive tackle. But, like, we see what George Kittle has done in the division to make San Francisco just some way more physical blocking team. And that's why I like Michael Mayer as an option, too. He's a pure inline tight end. You watch what Carolina did to the Seahawks last year with just the way they kind of pushed them around. And the Raiders. and like It's not just offensive line, defensive line. You need tougher linebackers. You need tougher – and a tight end. Like, they have some good, like, receiving tight ends. Fant, Parkinson, Will Disley is – I don't know if he makes you tougher. He's a good blocker. But a big mauling, like, offensive line line man plus a tight end like that changes the dynamic you've seen with Kittle like it changes the dynamic of their team it really does and if you want to be a physical run team you want to open up the pass game and that guy Washington it could be a freak in the passing game if he can figure that out because he's been more of a blocker so yeah he's a guy I would put a, a circle around or a star uh, whatever they're doing like he fits so well to me of what they want to be what they've gotten away from and it's one of the things that's bothered me about these drafts for years that they just gotten away from their identity. He kind of reminds me of like the cam chancellor of tight ends. Yeah. Like just a physical, like a guy that is 
much bigger than other guys playing that position who's also able to move well and will just intimidate. Like I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they can do it. The other thing that you and I talked about that we were talking about during those drafts that just jumps out. If you don't get defensive line with your first couple of picks, first three picks, it gets thin fast, man. Like it yeah. gets it dicey. Like you do not want this team to be banking on its defensive line based off of late second round and third and fourth round guys. I, We've I've seen it for years. Problem. Like I talk about it a lot. Edge rusher is a lot like quarterback in terms of where they're drafted. And I think Boye Mafe is like the prototypical second round edge rusher. He doesn't have the ceiling. Like Boye Mafe showed some really good flashes in the run game, some pretty good pass rush sets at the end of the year. But I don't think anyone projects Boye Mafe as being like a star Max Crosby breakout kind of guy. I think he's a, no. a pretty good rotational end that was better against the run than I would have expected. And that's what second round pass rushers typically look like. There's a lot of guys he has three sacks or whatever. Well, think about the second round quarterback other than Jalen Hurts in the last like 10 years, Christian Hackenberg and guys like that. And second round quarterbacks are you typically like backup? That's what happens with edge and defensive linemen. Unless it's just a run stopping defensive tackle, like you've got to get those guys early. And the Seahawks haven't been positioned this whole era. They found Cliff and Mike B in free agency, which we've talked about. That's an outlier. They haven't been positioned to get a defensive lineman that just game wrecks other teams. What was Pete's comment at the end of the year? We need something going on there. And if you don't take him there, you're not getting one free agency. There's no edge rushers in free agency. And other than Javon Hargrave, who's probably going to make close to 20 million a year now that Payne's been franchised, there's no real chance to get one of those game wrecking defensive linemen. And again, I said it on our show for almost three years now. We need one of those guys in the playoffs. Chris Jones, uh, all those Eagles linemen, guys of the Bengals, DJ Reader and Trey Hendrickson. Like Seahawks have Shelby Harris and Al Woods as their two best defensive linemen. We don't even know if Shelby Harris will be back. So I just can't get away from thinking like this is their chance to get one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're starting to feel this way as well, but it does feel like other than maybe Willie Anderson, who is is the most – you know, projectable in some ways. It, it just doesn't feel like there's the the perfect defensive lineman for the Seahawks to take. Like Tyree Wilson, interesting dude. I'm still not totally convinced he's the he's the right fit for what they're doing. Agree. Uh, we talked about Carter, and so then if it's not those guys and not really into the quarterback then I feel like you end up looking at trying to address it, whether it's Cansey at 20, you know, or, you know, looking at some of those guys like Siakaika and some of those guys are talking about Northwestern dude in the, in the second round. And then I think you're talking about that first pick. I can't imagine they're going to take a corner first, even if like, in that scenario, we're talking like I just—it's hard for me to imagine. But there's some really no, good. I don't, I don't think there's a Sauce Gardner in this draft. I don't think so either. I also think because there's so many, like the difference between the top corners, like that's the other thing that shows up. It's like all the way into almost the third or fourth round. There's going to be some like 
starting capable corners. So and, I just don't yeah, think it makes sense to take one early. No, and that's where that Jalen Carter decision becomes so tantalizing. And they're going to spend – this front office is going to spend a ton of time on him now. Because they have to. They have to because defensive tackles, the interior defensive line. A, Brian, you've been number one talking about how much rare they are. And two, the, this draft, like edge, corner are the strengths. There's not a lot of defensive tackles. We go for after Cansey that, and we don't know what Cansey is in the three, four ends even. There's just not a lot of those guys in this draft that are, there's flawed ones or guys who are more one-dimensional like Ica or Mazzy Smith. But Carr's really the only one who can do both. And he's just the kind of guy you typically don't get a chance to draft. One of the things that I will remember from from this the last draft that we did was the feeling of taking Skaronsky, which was not really someone we were thinking about, and then taking Branch. So like about not like the key need. Neither of those guys were the top need, but damn, felt good. Both yeah. of those guys feel like they're going to be very good football players. You will not regret having them on the team. And it's just so easy to forget, so locked into, we need this position. We need to get the best player at that position. But if you walk out of there and you walk out of there with great football players, even if they're at positions that aren't your primary need, you're getting better. And, and like, uh, that's going to be, a, that's going to be a fascinating thing to see, you know, how the Seahawks have not typically taken that they've been a needs based team. Yeah. And I've, I've been annoyed taken. by that. Yeah. That's one of the things that before up until last year's draft, I really haven't seen. And even last year's draft, they need a left tackle. They need cornerbacks. They need edge. This is really the first chance we can see if they've actually learned something from these last couple of years. And like, listen, I talk about Baltimore all the time they just kind of do that style that I love. And I know Daniel Jeremiah worked for them. He said they just want to hit a double. It's like in baseball. They don't need to hit a home run. Just want to hit a double, get a good football player like Kyle Hamilton lost draft. Fell to 14 overall. Tyler Linderbaum, like, come out of that draft with those two guys. They don't need those positions, but those are good football players. That team got better. Like, And I wish the Seahawks took more of those guys. They, they kind of shoot for the moon a little bit or they get caught up in positions and if you took some of these drafts and just took good player, like we've talked about the stupid escrow thing for years, like this is where they failed. And that's why it's Karansky and Branch. Like every person who evaluates a draft is saying that's an A-level draft. That's a B-plus good football players that you're a much tougher team than you were yesterday. You're a much better football team. Yeah. Well, what I've learned from looking at the chat as we kind of wrap this up, um, and by the way, folks, give the show a like. We've been on for over two hours, almost two and a half, and appreciate everyone that's been with us. You are uh, warriors yourselves. Give the show a like. We'd appreciate it. Uh, make sure you go, if you listen to the, the podcast on uh, whatever your favorite podcast app, Spotify, Apple iTunes and others, please give the show a five-star review. Let us know uh, how that's going. It helps the show. And uh, if you haven't already, go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger, sign up, get immediate access to the Slack channel. We are not doing uh, we are not doing Patreon questions tonight. Sorry, my mind's wandered. Uh, but we will do that soon. Um, please give the show a like. We'd appreciate it. And uh, anyway, the thing that I've noticed, and this has been going on in Twitter, on Twitter, and in our chat, Anthony Richardson, man, he is polarizing. I mean, there are folks who all they think about is Anthony Richardson. Everything else is a miss. And 
I get it. The guy is a generational athlete. It's exciting. Plays the most important position in football. I don't have, like, there's no part of me that feels that way about Anthony Richardson. Now, that might just be me. Like, I might be totally missing. But it's mostly the situation we've talked about where it's just the the sequencing and how that affects the rest of your draft board. I don't think I would be in, I don't think I would like it if they, they called his name, Jeff. Yeah. They would, they would really have to crush all those other picks to make it justifiable. And it puts a lot of stress on that pick 20 and pick 37. If you're not getting your first defensive player till then, or your first trench player till then, if that pick misses, like you've talked about this a lot, like, that just might be like one of the biggest burned opportunities you can imagine. It could be the lasting legacy of John Schneider. So he he's the most interesting player we've seen in the draft in a couple of years because he could be the face of the league or he can be a, out of the league in kind of two or three years. He's the kind of guy who's going to get you fired or get you in the Hall of Fame. But, yeah, man, Gino, it's like we almost forget this Gino Smith sign today. Like we've been getting so deep into this. But it's good. I- I mean, that's the thing. It, it would be different if they were choosing not to sign Gino and and they were spending their cap space in other ways and they're spending more on off uh, defensive linemen or, or things like that. Man, just don't. Yeah, know. if they weren't signing Gino, I, I would say you have to take a quarterback. But yeah, they did. Gino is signed and the team announced it, but I don't see any numbers yet. So, yeah, I looked, I took a quick look too. All right, dude, I'm going to let you go. This has been fun. I think uh, I think folks enjoyed it. Uh, got a lot of good feedback. So thank you to Jeff Simmons, at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. Thank you to all of you folks for tuning in. This has been fun. This is uh, literally I go to bed or if I wake up in the middle of the night, I spend time doing mock drafts and I'm thinking through this and Jeff and I are sending each other info. What about this? How would you do that? What about this guy? How do you feel? So it was fun to kind of share our minds, our, our thought process with all of you. And it's also really great to see where all of you are at. We're going to do this together because, man, we don't get drafts like this all the time. A good draft with good players at positions we need with a lot of draft picks, at, like the second most draft capital in the league belongs to the Seattle Seahawks. So there is a ton. And by the way, we're a week away from free agency. So there's just going to be a lot going on. We're going to be here with you along the way to talk through it. And uh, until then, I wish everybody a wonderful rest of the week. I am down here in Eugene, Oregon, heading to Bandon Dunes to do some golfing. So uh, if you hear screams, that is likely me breaking a club over my knee. But I'm going to try to enjoy it. Uh, I hope all of you do the same. Jeff, have a great rest of your night, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Take care.